Boredom, you were saying Duncan Trussell is a form of anger? Yeah, I was listening to this Jack Cornfield audio book, and he was saying that boredom... That ang- that boredom is part uh, is comes from anger because it's resistance to what is. When you're bored, you're resisting what's happening, and that's a it's a form of anger. It's in the family of anger. Tell it to the dude who's been in solitary confinement for five years. I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah, yeah. I think that guy needs to stretch out that that definition a bit, a little bit. <laughs> There's some reasonable boredom. You know, have you ever had, taken an ear beating from somebody? That's not anger. That's you're bored. You're oh, like, oh, look, man, it, it, it's it's totally real, but it's always resistance. Like if you're mm-hmm. experiencing boredom, you're resisting what's happening. You don't want to be there. That's what boredom so, is. But isn't resistance sometimes exactly the right thing to be doing? Mm, I mean, there's point. a there's a passivity at the heart of some Buddhist scholarship that I find irritating. Mm, that is something I I used to think, and I disagree with that now because I think that you you definitely it's not like suddenly you're like I'm just going to be in every situation that I'm in. It's just that instead of being in a situation experiencing that, it, what you're saying is the idea that the only thing that will motivate people to change is pain. And the idea is like, no, that's an illusion. That's not what you need. You don't need pain. to. If, you, if I'm in a house that's on fire, I'm going to get out of the house before the fire burns me. I don't need a feeling, a, a physical experience of pain and boredom, desire, anger, all of these things, if you really feel them, it's not the greatest feeling. It's never mm. a great feeling. It's always either a form, it's like an itchiness or a sense of just wanting to get out of where you're at. But if you really want to get out of where you're at, the best thing to do is to calm yourself so you can get into a nice tranquil state and then get out of the situation. You don't need the addition of a kind of psychic heartburn, which mm. is what boredom is. I'm full of psychic heartburn. Me too, man. I'm the worst. When people are giving me ear beatings and I know I could be doing something more pleasurable, I, I, I just I can't take it. I, yeah, I, yeah, and that's that is a um, that's exactly like the the idea is if if we if you can if we can dissolve that that mm. sense of resistance, then it doesn't mean that you're going to be getting ear beatings from now until infinity. It's just when the ear beatings come, you only be experiencing the pain of the ear beatings and not the internal mirroring of that pain as you desperately try to uh, get out of the situation by saying you have to use the bathroom for the ninth time. And <laughs> some people at the comedy store think that I have like a serious bladder issue. Cause like, <laughs> I got a piss dude. Can you excuse me? I got a piss. Do you guys, do you know who Juliette Binoche is? French actress, beautiful French actress. No. Uh, you've seen her. You would recognize her. I know the her. name. I've seen her. She name. was in The Unbearable Lightness of Being. I think it's one of those names that I've never actually heard said out loud, but I've in only read it. In my impeccable French accent. Beautiful. Wasn't that Elegant beautiful? The way it Elegant. Binoche. Binoche. Uh, I don't think I've ever see, seen... I've only seen it written down. Yeah. Well, anyway, I met her in this uh, weird story. I was speaking at this uh, event, like a TED-style event in Toronto. It's uh, called Idea City. And... Uh, the day I was supposed to speak, Deepak Chopra was there, all these big shots. The day I was supposed to speak, I told my wife, Casilda, I'm just going to sleep in today. Just let me sleep. You go ahead, go to listen to the lectures, whatever, and I'm going to hang. Okay, fine. So she goes down. Ten minutes later, she's back up from the, in, the, in the room. She says, Juliet Binoche is downstairs having breakfast, and she wants to meet you. I'm like, Juliet Binoche wants to meet me? Are you kidding? No, no, really. So I get out of bed. I don't brush my teeth or anything. I go downstairs, and... Uh, I immediately sense that she doesn't really want to meet me. What she wants to do is sleep with my wife. And my wife has completely misinterpreted everything. And I'm barging in on this thing. And 
And I, I start talking to her about The Unbearable Lightness of Being, this great film she was in based on an amazing book and how this book sort of changed my life because it got me this job and all this weird shit. And as I'm telling the story, she reaches over, she's looking right at me, she reaches over and she just touches her Blackberry. And 30 seconds later, it starts ringing and she picks it up and she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I have to take this. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, okay. I, you know, fine, right? I'm not offended, whatever. I would have done the same thing, but... I was Would on you the have really done end. the same thing, though? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have said, would've... like, I got to go pee for the ninth time this hour, what Duncan's <laughs> talking about. Yeah, this <laughs> way you don't seem like you're... <laughs> He's throwing you into the bus. I can't believe what? No, no. I'm just saying it's the same <laughs> phenomenon, and I right. was on the other end of it, and it was just at a different yeah, it's, level. It's, it's, it's escape hatches. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like built-in, like, boring conversation <laughs> apps. Exactly. You just... Exactly. I know I'm going to be yeah. talking to this dummy, so I'm just... Yeah. yeah set this for 30 That's a great idea. Why is that not on the iPhone? I'm like sure a, it you, exists, you, dude. Three, but you need like a subtle, like a three-button <laughs> click or like five clicks or just yeah, just go like taps. up, down, up, down with your volume, and it starts calling you in thirty seconds. But you yeah. would know. You just get busted immediately. Everyone would know. Like, wait a minute, what was that? Did you just fucking? <laughs> well, only... don't touch your phone when I'm talking to you. Yeah, right. Ultimately, it could never really truly be successful. Because yeah. if it became successful, people everyone would, would know. It. Everyone would yeah. know, and it wouldn't yeah. work anymore, and you have to stop. Well, doing wait it. a minute. Okay. You program it yourself. That way, mm. it's a different pattern all right. the time. Nobody would know. Or a key word that Siri hears you say. Mm. Eventually, it triggers. Eventually, oh. phones are going to be so smart that it's going to not want to get an ear beating. Like it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to call you and be like, "Dude, we got to get out of here, man. This is horrible." Oh, oh yeah, I thought gonna... you meant from you. No, no. the phone itself is <laughs> oh, going to go, "Hey, funny. fucko." The phone would be like, "Dude, yeah, really? That's what, I, what did you think we were saying?" That's like, what I thought you were saying. Hilarious. The phone would be smart enough to be tired of listening to your stupid shit no, through its that's, circuits. That, that's what I feel like with the NSA. It's like whoever's <laughs> monitoring me is getting what they fucking deserve. They Every fucking morning they wake up and like look at a gun and then go to work. Fuck, I've got to listen to him yap and watch him jerk off to fucking porn all day again. Are you seriously assigning again, me again, to this harmless idiot? <laughs> The idea that there is one person that's actually watching everyone <laughs> live their lives is not yeah. mathematically possible. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, the idea is that they're storing, but it is a dirty thing to do to just store everyone's yeah. everything in some database somewhere. It's a dirty thing to do. But highly and not efficient. tell people that you're doing it to. It promotes this massive state of paranoia almost instantaneously because you're doing it without letting anybody know that you're doing it. And then you're denying its existence and it's ultimately proved to be true. All of those things are very bad for public confidence. And all of those things, when, when, when they take place, what's, what's gross about it is that you did it. You yeah. had the possibility to do it. That's technological. That's unavoidable. But you did it. Yeah. You went and just copied everybody's everything and stored it. Yeah. And then but you denied it when it came out. Like In principle, it's a fascinating trend because it's a trend of a, the dissolution of boundaries. The, 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 the connection between right. a person and an idea, a person and a piece of information is becoming more and more instantaneous. Mm. Whether it's a Google search. Whether it's, and I think that this is just a, a subtle victim of this overlying trend in technology of bringing people and information closer and closer together. It's, uh, it's almost unavoidable. But it just sucks that it had to be done by the people that are supposedly protecting us supposedly watching over us like 
There, there, but wait, wait a minute. How old are you, Joe? You don't believe they're protecting us and watching over no, us? No, of course not. But yeah. but who does? But it's the narrative. I mean, it, it is the narrative. It is the that narrative. They propel. Yeah. They, they, I mean, that that narrative comes up every four years. Yeah. It comes up in, in in various speeches that when the president gives speeches, you know, and, and people will it pretend. It seems like on they're dropping Fox that. News and CNN and all, and all these, these poor dudes these with no legs are heroes. Yeah. They, they, well, they're pretending these are heroes. legitimate conversations. Yeah. We, we're all on the mainstream news sources, so you, you almost have to address it in, in a way. You almost have to uh, at least uh, pay it some service just to diffuse it. Did you yeah. see that, the NSA logo that went flying around? Yeah, the octopus. The fucking, that they're like amazing. not trying to pretend they're protecting us. They're like, no, put an evil octopus <laughs> devouring <laughs> Earth. That'll yeah. be our logo. <laughs> Fuck you, Snowden. Yeah, yeah, it's a fucking demon octopus. It's, it's a kraken from space. Yeah, a yeah. space kraken. Oh, could you imagine if there were space krakens? Could you imagine if like we had been all this time, yeah. we had never been found, but the universe is literally like an ocean, and it just takes time for one of those fucking flying fish. To, re- yeah. to realize, oh, you, I can eat this one. Just and sucks us up. Sucking things out of the atmosphere. So we're like a speck of plankton. Yeah. yeah. We find out we're actually in an ocean. Dark matter is just water. It's just the uh, we're we're in some strange state, of and that's the wave ocean. motions. Yeah, I yeah. mean there there are less uh, believable scenarios. I've yeah. heard there's not re- real water, but there's dark matter water. Nothing is beyond our reach. Jesus Christ, that's weird. It's that's not, so that's weird. weird. But it may, it, maybe it's fake. Is that phony? Because that went flying all over the place and made me think. I, I, I just seems like I, I like it because real. people at the NSA are like, you know what? Let's just fuck with the stoners. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. They're already paranoid. Let's make them super fucking paranoid. Well, there's already a bunch of shit that gives fuel to the super paranoid, like the fucking eye on the dollar bills, right, and yeah, all that pyramid, weird yeah. Egyptian iconography mm. shit. Yes. All that the, the 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 Mason stuff, the all that weirdness, man. Yeah. E pluribus unum. Yeah. Just there's a lot of weirdness on on just money itself, you know. And it's hilarious because all I don't know what it is, but having been on your podcast enough times and like rambled about Freemasons, inevitably some loon will send a message or post something on my board that's like, uh, are you a pawn of the <laughs> New World Order, Duncan? It's like, I know I'm not a pawn of the New World Order, but it's funny to think, oh, wow, I, what that weirdo is doing to me, I'm doing to the government, you know? Like, it's all just this endless state of, like, we'll never figure it out. You'll never figure out who's behind the whole thing, but it is funny how easily people will assemble idiotic bits of information like that shit with Terrence McKenna being in the fucking CIA. Are you kidding me, man? Really? Terrence McKenna? Mushroom McKenna? God of mushrooms? The CIA is like, let's let's use this guy as our spokesperson. Well, you know, there was a CIA guy going around helping with distribution of uh, LSD well, early been, in the Without 60s. a doubt, there's been a lot of CIA people that were in the psychedelic community. Undercover. The problem is... Yeah. That Jan's statements about McKenna have been w- dismissed by everyone who's listened to the recordings. It has half a brain. The, he was joking. It was a sense of humor. He was talking about the, you know alien intelligence and the mushroom and the mushroom recruiting him as a spokesperson. That's what he was talking about. Uh, but, I, I hadn't heard and it. His, Jan's take on it is literal. Jan's take on it is that he recruited him for the FBI, which, look, I don't know. You don't know. But if you have to look at it as what is most likely... Well, if that's your only piece of evidence, if I listen to that, most likely I would say that he, he's joking around. He's talking about the mushroom. 
But Jan is one of those weird dudes that has been like researching this shit for. Ever. Right. Did he say anything about Gordon Wasson? He knows. A, yeah, Gordon there was Wasson some, was in the CIA. Yeah, yeah there was some connection with Gordon Wasson. With the CIA. Hey, but, if the CIA you know, is hiring people to smoke DMT and talk about <laughs> aliens, I will take that I'm job. In. I'll send you my resume. I'll fax my resume to you. I think the CIA, like, you know, SeaWorld, it's not 100% evil. You know, there's probably a bunch of people there that are training dolphins that really love dolphins. Right. It doesn't uh, doesn't stop the institution from being evil just because a yeah. few of the people that are involved in it. You guys know about John Lilly, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Course, That's the. Yeah. Was he in the CIA? <laughs> no, of course no. he was. But he was into hallucinogens and dolphins. That, that was the connection. Yeah. We have the documents. You know, yeah. I don't know if Jan's right or wrong. You know, quite honestly, I don't think he does either. Uh, I mm. think, but if you look at it, most likely. Most likely, that's not what was going on. Most likely, Terrence McKenna was a hippie. And he uses also one point uh, in his uh, argument for saying that he was in trouble with the FBI and he got out of trouble, like, seemingly out of nowhere. But that's all documented by Dennis and Ke- and Terrence. They, they talked in depth about him turning himself in and them offering him some sort of a plea deal. Uh, Dennis sent me the email. I could read it, but I don't have his permission. But, yeah, I don't think Terrence McKenna was in the fucking CIA. You know, also, isn't ridiculous. it? I mean, to or FBI be, or whatever the fuck, they can use you without you ever even knowing you're being used. Yeah, sure. You know, like <clears throat> a lot of Peace Corps people. Well, I think you know were used as uh, CIA right. spies. Listen, anybody, and I really mean this, anybody who listens to McKenna talk about CIA uh, talk about psychedelics, anybody who listens to that and is not intrigued is a fucking idiot. And I think that includes people that are in the CIA, people that are in the FBI. Just because people are square on paper and just because, you know, they're supposed to abide by the Schedule One rules of the United States government, human beings are individuals. And individuals have autonomy, a certain amount of it at least, when it comes to their own thoughts. And when you listen to a guy like Terrence McKenna and you go, well, whose side do I take? The evil overlord that I fucking work for that pays my bills and couldn't give two fucks about me? Or the psychedelic bard who uh, might be on to about a million things that I've never even considered once might be correct about this idea that he's preaching about psychedelic drugs being the very reason why human beings exist in the first place and our lack of use of them today is one of the reasons why we're so disconnected from nature like we just shot into space and then we lost our cord that connects us Uh. we we lost whatever the connection was to how we got there sounds ridiculous when it comes from a guy like me when you hear McKenna talk about it when he's talking about climatological changes and about how the hominids moved out of the tree to experiment with new food sources as the uh, rainforest receded into grasslands. I mean, this is like well-documented shit. And then also the positive attributes of psilocybin, the increase in visual acuity, right. the fact that it makes them hornier. So you would get mo- like monkeys that were horny that could see better if they ate right. these mushrooms. Right. The, and then the transcendent experience that it comes from them. Like all those together can't be ignored. I mean, the idea that it's not considered primarily as the reason why we're not monkeys anymore is only because enough people or too many people are ignorant about it and because the propaganda involving these drugs it's been so strong that whether or not you believe that it's had any positive influence on anybody you know you can't deny that that experience 
is fucking mind-blowing. Like, legitimately fucking mind-blowing. To the point where if you haven't had it, you wouldn't believe it's possible. Mm. And then when you do have it, the world is never the same again. Because you believe anything's possible. How the fuck yeah. could yeah. anybody ignore that? How could you ignore yeah. that as a possibility for cognitive enhancement? When you're looking at a primate, a thinking thing that discovers this mind-altering, insanely powerful drug that happens to grow the fuck everywhere. <laughs> in shit. Yeah. Grows in, in cow shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they're following these, following these monkeys clearly tipping over cow patties and pulling out worms. They're experimenting with food sources constantly. If this stuff was there, and it was, if they ate it, and they did, of course that's it! There's a doubling <laughs> of the human brain size over two million years that directly coincides with this receding of the rainforest in the grassland and experimenting with all these new, foo- new yeah. food sources. What do you think all Anybody that? Anybody that listens to that. I think it's very interesting. I, you know, having studied this kind of stuff for a while, I'm very hesitant to say that's it. But I would certain because everything ends up being multi. Oh yeah, a lot know? of other shit involved, right? Yeah. Like I'll tell you, here's a really interesting. Protein. Here's a well, that's the whole man, the hunter thing, the throwing so, yeah, arm. Yeah. yeah, but here's a really interesting theory that that I don't hear spoken about much that sort of corresponds to this a little bit. Same time period, of course. Uh, people were running under hot sun because of the receding forest. It was uh, savanna. And one of the ways of hunting is to run the deer down, right? Because yeah, we can persist much further than they can. They're faster, but only over 200 meters, and then they get tired. They and don't keep... sweat. Right, exactly. That's so what they fucks can't. Them. Yeah. So, so these dudes are running. It's hot, lots of sun. The brain gets overheated. And so evolutionary pressure is on creating redundancy in the neural networks of the brain as a as a ben, as a as a sort of insurance policy against overheating right wow. and so what happens is we develop all this surplus neural tissue that then gets wired into one thing as opposed to it's like having a spare tire and suddenly your car has now five wheels you know what i mean it like Whoa. the 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 evolution took advantage of this thing that was made for something else which is a very well known concept in evolution it's called a spandrel it's something that seems like it was designed to do that, but in fact, it's a byproduct of something else. And ultimately, ah. of course, every result is a combination of things coming together and creating this, in, this one thing that we think of as like, oh, human beings. Human beings, human consciousness, the evolved human consciousness. But when you think about all the possible factors that came into play yeah. and all the different things that must have happened and selective breeding and how people figured out you know, who to mate with and, and how people aliens. figured out... Yeah. And, how, what about and staying the alive lizard? with What's no this fucking... lizard thing? Well, that's David Icke. Right, David Icke. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would like to have him on the podcast, but I think apparently he doesn't like talking about that lizard thing anymore. Mm. Oh, really? He doesn't really? like talking about the reptilian thing He's anymore. moved on. Feels like it's a distraction. From what? I don't know. I mean, maybe he's abandoned the idea, but I've, I've heard he got mad at somebody for talking about it. I think it was like a Jesse Ventura show. Do you know? Do you know? Did you get... Might have got mad at Jesse Ventura. Mm. It, I think that was it. I think they got in an argument, and Jesse Ventura was calling him a fraud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I, I, I saw that episode. He like ambushes yeah. him, and then he like really lets him have it, and mm. then it was well uh, uncomfortable. There's mm. a you know, there's a fucking there's a there's a good point there. You know, when you when you say something like someone's a reptilian, like everything else that you say, I have to go, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking you get you you yeah. you're gonna show the first instance yeah. of something that's able to change back and forth, by the way. Not yeah. just Oh morph. really? Oh okay. that's the idea. 
It's not just like you're a caterpillar, you're a butterfly. No, you're a caterpillar, you're a butterfly, you're a butterfly, you're back to a caterpillar, right. back to a butterfly. That's what they're saying. They're saying that you can change back and forth. Like, there's nothing that does that. There's nothing. You got to have a video. You got to have something. You got you to show me some fossils. You can't just go around saying people are reptiles, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just can't do that because that, that means <laughs> your thinking sucks and I can't trust you to be the guy right. that talks. But right. snakes used to be a huge, huge problem for us, right? Isn't that why there's like. The, Still are. The, I mean, yeah, but it's not back then. It was like a big fucking. Like now snakes are a problem. Right. But you're not going to run into a snake. Dude, when I'm I getting ran coffee over. at a Starbucks, I'm not going to like. Snake's not yeah. going to bite me. Pre, pre, more than five million years ago, snakes must have been such a problem that humans, chimps, and bonobo uh, infants all recoil mm. at an image of a snake. Yeah. Even if, you know, Eskimos, who are never going to see a snake, right? Eskimo kids will freak out if you show them a picture of a snake. Yeah. It's like yeah. Guinness. So that's that reptilian thing is like a reflection of this, like, oh, this weird residual mm. neural. Uh, horror story that got like, imprinted into our brains. Mm. And so now when people like uh, David Icke are just trying to make evil or categorize evil or in the uh, book of Genesis, what, what, what's the evil thing? It's the serpent. Mm. It's just a, a symbol that's supposed to embody ultimate evil, it seems like. Mm. Well, every animal besides us is compassionless. They are compassionless, especially of other animals. They just don't, it's not a part of the wild no, community. Well, not every There's animal other than us. Chimps. Dolphins, chimps, yeah, bonobos. Intelligent ones. Some intelligent puppy ones. fox. Come yeah. on. You've met his oh. dog, right? Oh, well, even foxes. <laughs> You've ever seen foxes where people, uh, they start living in the woods near foxes and the foxes eventually gain their friendship and then they become right. like their pets. Like, yeah. It's very, very common. For foxes to do that and to become almost like dogs and become like really friendly with people. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately what makes us human, one of the big things that makes us human is this insane level of understanding we have for what we are and what our place is and constantly recognizing it, constantly either coming up with some way to justify it and some self-righteous position to yes. take or coming up with some way to try to fix the damage we've done or coming up with some try to, where you're just trying to at least understand it. But all those things are going on all at the same time. Looking for validation. Is my idea right about this? Anger yeah. at this guy in traffic. It's all this big sea of shit that goes on at the yeah. same time. So to compare that to anything else that exists, it's like it's one of the weirdest animals that we've ever seen ever. And it's us. Yeah, it's We're true. the weirdest shit ever. If we didn't exist, if we, we, we like found us, like objectively found us and started analyzing our impact on our environment, this ultimately colossally catastrophic effect of us even existing on everything else around us just to, to annihilates the ocean of fish to the point where tuna are coming back radiated and there's fucking uh, a, a massive patch of garbage in the middle of the ocean and the, the numbers of fish are down so radically that people are worrying that within a hundred years there won't be any wild fish in the ocean anymore. Within another hundred years, we'll have cleaned out Coral the ocean. Coral reefs getting wiped out Destroyed. all over the world. Yeah. If we watched us from afar, objectively, we would be like, oh my God. This Fungal is, outbreak. This is insane. Yeah. Planetary athlete's foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get that shit off of there. Super AIDS. Yeah. More like super AIDS. Yeah. Not just athlete's foot. There's no lamisole that's going to get rid of people. But we do spread. Mm. You know what I mean? We, you could, if you looked at it historically, you'd see these like little sores and then rashes spreading mm. out, you know? Super AIDS. Oh, We're man. about to take over. We're about to eat the host. 
It's like yeah. w- before humans, planet Earth fucked some disgusting <laughs> other planet. Or some like <laughs> <They> caught people. <laughs> Should have worn a condom. Yeah. 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 Uh, humans is herpes. Yeah. Well, maybe so, you know, or maybe we got offloaded or something, or, you know, maybe it's just some something that was on a craft. So what what did McKenna say about this, right? Because uh, along with the, the theory you were talking about earlier, he's got the, the, the mushroom spores going yeah. through the outer space because they absorb cosmic rays and they're, they can last forever. That, to me, that's one of the more compelling parts of that whole thesis he's got. Well, allegedly, it's also the chemical composition of psilocybin in the first place. Psilocybin, which is very closely related to... Uh, neurotransmitter. neurotransmitters, yeah. dimethyltryptamine. It's actually, the, I don't. I'm not. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's something like four fox fouroxy nn dimethyltryptamine. So it is literally like mm. the same compound as a human neurotransmitter, and it's mixed in with something else. And this uh, this phosphorus in the four position is four fox fouroxy, whatever the fuck it is. It's the only compound like that on the planet. And they don't they don't know what the origins of it was. They Whoa. don't know where it came from. It doesn't mean that it couldn't have been just a unique fungus. I mean, funguses in in and of themselves are incredibly fascinating and closer to human than they are to plant. Funguses are weird. I mean, mm. they're they're a strange sort of karma free life form that mm. just doesn't hurt anybody and <laughs> just free. eats That's shit. Literally eats shit. Yeah. And exists in shit. And well, fungus, provides fungus you attack us though, right? Jock itch? Isn't sure. that an attacking fungus? Is it really attacking you or are you just a Hell dirty yeah. bitch? You're a dirty bitch. Well, <laughs> I found a good spot to <laughs> you, live. You can sh- call me whatever you want, but that is definitely attacking <laughs> me. It's to encourage cleanliness. It's to encourage you to uh, wash your balls. Here we go. I'll never. <laughs> wash your balls with tea tree oil, please. Not during the holidays. Or we will grow. An itchy taint yeah. is God's way. Well, I think of... it's much more much more uh, that there is no you know good or bad when it comes to the natural kingdom. You know, That's much more of what it is. It, even though it's karma-free, it's like the idea that it exists on your balls and it drives you crazy. It might be bad for you, but mm. ultimately in the universe, it just sort of balances out. As you know, I met this. Yeah. You can I, have a little itchy ball so that it can live. You got like pets on you. That's what so you you're saying like as a charity, you should let yeah. fungus Because <laughs> otherwise you're your... murdering your pets. It's you're like those guys those in India who, who wear a, f- a filter over their mouth so they don't accidentally inhale an insect. Oh. Yeah. And they walk. Right, I think they're, they're the Janes. They're, uh. Yeah, they killing anything. Yeah. So I don't know what they would do about jock itch. Well, that's I, fascinating, isn't it? It's an interesting discussion. Because... I met a guy. You're talking about balancing out. I met a really interesting guy in Mozambique last week and had dinner with him. And he has a thesis that each life has, just like you know the, the, the conservation of energy in the universe and energy is never made, created, nor destroyed. You know, everything balances out in the end, right? So his thing was each life has a balanced amount of suffering and pleasure. And mm. the more you suffer, the more pleasure you'll get somewhere else. Mm. And that these things always equal out to zero. And our great mistake as a civilization is thinking we can increase the amount of pleasure without compensating, without having an increased amount of suffering as well. And so we're running around chasing that pleasure without realizing that we're also accumulating and creating suffering. That makes sense to me, man, because the people that I know that have the hardest time keeping it together emotionally are people that don't work out. I, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but the people that I know that have the hardest time emotionally are people that don't work out. And the people that I know that do work out, especially the ones that work out hard, 
they expel these big giant bursts of energy where your body's like almost dying. Hmm. You're heaving. Your heart's pounding in your chest. You're barely able to lift this this piece of metal up again. You're barely able to jump up on this box again. You're barely able to and by putting yourself in that intense form of stress, it makes regular life more peaceful. It's the yin yeah. and the yang. You it's do see balance. that when, when professional athletes are being interviewed, like mm-hmm. NBA dudes, they all seem so They're high mellow. as fuck. Those guys are high as fuck. Those <laughs> guys get high. They, uh, they actually keep marijuana off their, or they did for the longest time, off their um, drug list of the things they get tested oh, that's for. that's nice. Because they all like to play stone. That's mm. cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, what's more fun than that? Being a giant sure. throwing a bouncy ball around some polished arena? That's a blast when you're high. Well, I think <laughs> marijuana <laughs> gives you a, a certain sensitivity to things yeah to, to things like it gives you a certain sensitivity to art like the, the art mm. that you make gives you a certain sensitivity to physical movements like a lot of guys love to do jujitsu can can and, i throw something out here sure. uh when you get really high do you kind of see things like become a little more orangey <laughs> does that happen to you? No, because no, that does orangey. happen to me. Like when I get really high, things seem to take on a like a like basketball a orange tint. Yeah, wow. It's like that same kind of like the rose tinted glass. How high are you getting, son? <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring me just sitting across the table from you, Duncan. Du- that's because Duncan normally starts getting high about four p.m. and then the sun starts going down and everything gets golden. That's yeah. the sunset in Duncan. Well, yeah, but I, I definitely get high before 4 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> orange. You get, well, this whole room is orange. Maybe that's what's making well, you think Well, he just that. shifted the lights. Well, you're near, you're near this orange, and you're also near no, that's the, not making the, me the think orange that, of that. I remember when I was in high school, getting in a conversation with someone who I was with. It was really stoned. I'm like, you see, like, orange dots everywhere? <laughs> Two must have shit his pants. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. I thought he was my friend. Now everyone's crazy. <laughs> You ever you ever have a friend go crazy on you? Yeah, I've had friends that like legitimately lost their mind. I can't talk to them anymore. Like like you would talk to him about events, and his version of events were just like so not what actually happened. And you go, oh, this is a person that's lost their marbles. Yeah, yeah, it happens. You you can temporarily lose your marbles or permanently, or permanently. Yeah, but I think that like I mean yes, permanently of course. There's like you know, I'm not saying through psychedelics either. No, I know, even, you're, I know what you mean. I'm just saying people that just can't keep it together anymore, and for whatever reason, whether it's a combination of life mm-hmm. stress and uh, biological situation, whatever the fuck they've got going on, you know, uniquely in their own brain. But some people just, all of a sudden, not there anymore, not keeping it together. Do they think they're keeping it together? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, there's broad, yeah. you know, broad range. Right. There's all kinds of, yeah, it's, it sucks, man. People, the brain is an organ and it malfunctions and and sometimes you go nuts and that's, and you get stigmatized for it, which really sucks because if you like, because that just adds to the problem. Like if you, you know, I you see somebody in a cast and you're like, oh, what happened to your arm? And they'll tell you, oh, you know, whatever, I fell down. But if you, you talk to someone who's been like hospitalized for a few weeks and they tell you, yeah, I had to go to the hospital. I had a nervous breakdown. I went crazy, shit my pants, threw my dog <laughs> through a window. You're like, <laughs> you're like, you know, you you'll want you want to be compassionate, but there's some part yeah. of you that's like, oh, now this is a crazy person. Mm. It's like it's just the, something happened. The operating system temporarily crashed, and I, and quite often, I think that could be a very good thing. I think that having your 
your personality or your ego um, or uh, crash can often mean that you were trying to be somebody that you aren't. And some mm-hmm. people invest so much energy, so much energy in trying to finding. Yeah, they just want to be something, you know. They, they it, it, since they were a kid, their mother was telling them you should be like this, and then they try to be like this, and they hold up this thing. They're always working to hold up this giant tail feather, and it, it their arms start shaking, and then they can't <laughs> hold it up, and that's that's when they have like anger outbursts, or suddenly like their friends are like, you you turned into someone that I've never met. I don't even know who that is. It's like, no, that is, you met them. You met underneath the tail feather, the seething sea of <laughs> anger and disappointment and sadness. They, they, you met that thing that they're, they're trying to avoid by looking up at this mask that they're holding up to the world. But that fucking seething sea of disappointment and anger and horror and sadness, that's where it's at, man. You got to go into that thing. And for some people, the only way they can go into that is by having a full-scale nervous breakdown because then they can have permission to dive into that into that awful vortex of darkness because underneath that vortex of darkness is paradise. Underneath that, that's love and happiness and joy and connection and tranquility and all that stuff. And everyone thinks that the way to get to that point is by avoiding this awful black forest that surrounds the Garden of Eden, which is inside everybody. It's inside everybody. It's there. It's there. And it doesn't matter. You know, you can work out and that will definitely give you a temporarily temporary good feeling. But until you address the internal structures that you haven't acknowledged, you're always going to go back to that place where you find yourself morose and depressed and angry and you don't know why. You always go back to that place until you sit with the sadness inside of you. You have to do that. What you're describing is coming out of the closet. And, uh, you know, yeah, for a lot of people, that is right? what it is, man. Yeah. It's coming out of the closet, and there's a lot of closets. There are a lot man. of closets. There's yeah. not exactly. just the gay closet. Right. There's yeah. all kinds of closet. There's the artist closet. Some people are fucking accountants. They're wearing suits and their ties on tight, and they're fucking like organized and disciplined. But inside, they're probably painters. They probably want to fucking paint. Uh, they want to paint day glow mountains down at the beach. That's what they really are. But their daddy or their mommy wanted them to be a good little businessman, so they became this thing that's the opposite of what they are. This is the verse in the Bhagavad Gita. God forgive me because I've quoted it way too many times, but it's it's better to be an honest street sweeper than a dishonest king. It's better to be a happy guy brushing fucking leaves up the street than it is to be some zillionaire who inside is dying or numb or miserable, mostly numb. Numb's the word. Most people are just numb. But as long as these people can quantify on paper, I still have a X million dollar home. My car still mm. costs X thousand yeah. dollars. This suit is an X suit. I am still ahead. I am not going to abandon all these things. As long as they don't see through the bullshit well, they, of the game they think they're winning. They you have know? to fall. Right. They ha- yeah, it's almost like you have to fall to to really... That's what you got to appreciate those moments when it all falls apart on you because that means you've got an opportunity to try it again. This, let's take a, a new, fresh perspective. This is the, uh, a cool thing that at this retreat I went to, this guy Jack Cornfield said, which I really loved. What is, a great name, by the way. Yeah, with a K, <laughs> not a C, a Jack Cornfield, <laughs> Mortal Kombat K, Jack Cornfield. Wow. But he uh, he's really cool, man. But he was talking. With a K, cool with a K. <laughs> yeah, he's with, yeah, yeah, like the cigarettes. And, and corny. No, this guy was awesome. And he was, one of the things he talked about is in some religious tradition, how they like hold the scriptures. A rabbi like had his students hold the scriptures over their heart and uh 
when they were memorizing them and they would say, why do we do this? And he said, so that when your heart breaks, they'll fall in. And it's a beautiful idea, which is that heartbreak is actually your ego cracking. And the Mm. moment that cracks, you're in the experience of truth. And when you're in the experience of truth, that's when you can really become who you are. But, But to get to who you are, it's like when, you know, when a bone heals the wrong way. Like, that's what a lot of people's entire personality is. It's like a bone that grew the wrong way. Mm. And that needs a fucking tick, a snap, a crack. You know, and we, you get that through. And a pop. <laughs> you need that, that initial fucking thing. And it's it, a beautiful analogy. And it yeah. hurts. It hurts. But mm. we're pain avoiding creatures. So we think that, so we're always running away from this pain. But the problem is, as we're running away from pain, we're still exactly in pain. It's basically like being on fire and running away from water. You're just running away from the water because you, for some, I don't know, that's a stupid analogy, actually. For, <laughs> no, you were doing fucking... great up until that, though. Yeah. <laughs> you had a lot of great points. But it, well, it's true. Bone. You know, there's the monster in the dark, and the faster you run, the more likely you are to run into something that's actually going to hurt you, as mm. opposed to turning around and saying, oh, fuck, there is no monster. No mm. monster. You know, but you're never going to know that until you stop and turn around. Yeah. You know, and in some cases, People don't have the discipline or the the assistance or the the balls to stop and turn around, so they have to trip over something, and well, then that, there's like, oh, look, yep. that's, that's it. the that's classic story. That's the classic story of someone hiding a secret and going completely out of control because of the pressure of hiding that. Right. Like that's the Ted Haggerty, who's the secretly gay guy who's preaching against gay people. Oh, Ted Haggert. Ted Haggert. Haggert. Yeah, yeah, in Colorado. Yeah, that guy who was snorting meth off his gay lovers. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was just going so far the other way. He's just so off the rails. He was being himself. He was being himself. He was a guy who likes to snort meth off of cocks. He likes to do a little meth, and he (laughs) likes to well, suck a few cocks. But I would say he wasn't being himself. What I would say is that his his behavior was so extreme because he was seeking balance between that and the other bullshit in his life. Whereas if he weren't living that, he'd be right in the middle. Right. Yeah, well, to, but to get to the middle, you know, the way to get to the middle, weirdly, is whatever the behavior is that you're doing that you're so horrified about and terrified of. Sometimes the, the really weird idea is, this is like something that I like that Ramdas says, which is like, don't, if you don't feel like meditating, don't meditate. Don't force it. Don't impose this on yourself. Keep doing the thing you're doing that's upsetting you so much. Have the balls to keep doing the fucking thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Society is going to tell you, don't be like this. Stop being like this. You have to change. That's what your parents always say. The idea is like, no, sink into what you are right now. Just be that thing. Stop resisting. Exactly where you are right now is perfect. And that's a hard truth to grasp because you think right away, you think, yeah, what about fucking Jeffrey Dahmer? Is he perfect? Well, what about the uh, leopard? When you're seeing a leopard rip apart a, a creature, is that thing, per- is that a perfect moment? I don't think the leopard fucks them and then kills them. But you know what ducks do? Ducks are necrophiliacs. Are they fucking evil creatures? Yes, we- I think they are. Well, yeah, <laughs> they, they are. They made that <laughs> Phil Robertson guy a very famous person. Because he invented a call for them. And now poor gay people have to hear that a man's anus is not as good as a woman's vagina. Can you imagine if you made the choice for a man's anus and you hear this fucking big bearded fashionista with his uh, camo on a bandana? He's an absolute fashionista. That's so weird. I never thought of that. Big bearded Christian Bible slinging fashionista. And uh, he tells you that your choice was incorrect. That in fact the woman's vagina is the better choice. The man's anus. I mean, come on, guys. 
But how can you say that if you haven't experienced it? Maybe he has. I think he has. Again, the balance theory. Mm -hmm. I think he's so outspoken on that issue, like Mm -hmm. most of these homophobes are, because Mm -hmm. they're home jerking off to gay porn. You know, otherwise you just don't give a shit. It just doesn't actually matter. Right. You know, it doesn't come up in a GQ interview. It's a duh thing, right? It's like duh already. Yeah. If you really care if people are gay, duh. Like yeah. you really care the two guys love each other and that you are you against love? Yeah. You only like yeah. love if it's a man and a woman. Like yeah. what the fuck, man? Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a duh. It thing. is duh. It's duh. If it you're talking duh. about men's anuses in GQ, exactly. you, maybe you've got some issues to think about. Don't, shouldn't we know? just be talking about ducks? Ducks anuses? I mean, isn't that your whole show? Do you know about ducks, ducks penises? Why you you shoot ducks all the time, right? That's your thing. Like, let's just talk about, about murdering ducks. <laughs> yeah, why you got to talk about men's butts? Why are you talking about asshole why are you quality? Dragging this into butt sex. Ducks penises are uh, corkscrew shaped. <sighs> Think about oh, that. Oh yeah, the yeah. wonders of nature. Evil nature, such a cunt. <laughs> nature is such a. Oh, you know, you're gonna fuck, and you're gonna keep it in there too. How about that? How yeah. about it turns into a root? And you, you know why? <laughs> you know why dogs stay stuck together when yeah, they, they fuck? have a bone? No, it's a the 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 head of the dog's penis blows up like a ball, and it just gets and the trapped. female can hold it so he can't get the ball out, and it takes time for the ball to go down so he can actually get it back out. Poor That's bastard. why they're stuck. What is that? How, how does bone. that help anything? Well, most most penises have bone. I forget what the baculum. I think we it's called. We are so lucky. We are very bone. unusual that we do not have a penis bone. <sighs> if we had uh, like a rhino horn that never uh, got tired, uh, there would there would be so many people that you'd have to climb over people to get where you wanted to go. <laughs> we would have to figure out a way to carry our own shit with us at all times. Yeah. It would be really rude, and then we would have to meet in in shit depositing spots and places where you get food. And you'd just uh. be crawling over. And people just fucking along the way with their rhino horn. <laughs> the or you could get a stop. compound fracture. What about that? Oh. What if, like, you're somehow, like, oh. Oh. Talk a about stripper a painful sits break. on your cock well, the that wrong way? Well, that No, yeah. guys get broken dicks all the time. Yeah. They, it bends badly. And yeah. it actually starts bleeding. And they have to go to the hospital and get it repaired. If you have, like, a big, strong, crazy girl, like a volleyball player, perhaps, yeah. you don't let her get on top. It's very important. A volleyball player. Yeah, like a really strong woman. Like you what, be what about really equestrian careful. sports? Is that all right? No, no, no. Those girls are too strong in the legs. Too really? strong in the ass and legs because they could squeeze too tight. Yoga well, it's teacher? Just, it's just a girl with too, who can generate too much force. Because if, if she gets on top and she's going crazy, some of them will get crazy. I so know a how small it is. volleyball player is okay. you got to make sure you always keep an underhook, no matter what. Keep an underhook. <laughs> uh, you want to underhook and you want to control her hip. So yeah. you never let it go to... Because if she's just one of those mad dog dick yeah. riders that just wants to pretend she's at the rodeo, yeah. she could break your dick, man. Yeah. Especially a big girl. Girls wow. with stout bones make you a strong child. See, this is the stuff good, that good you need breeding, to talk about on the news. Teeth. They don't tell you about this on Fox There's News. There's no They're warning. Of the truth. Mike Huckabee doesn't say this. He should be saying this. <laughs> Did you see... Um, <laughs> Public service announcement. Did you see uh, Lee Camp? Uh, do you know who Lee Camp is? No. He's a stand-up comic who was on Fox News. And uh, they were talking about something. And he goes, he just goes, can I just ask you a question? He goes, what is Fox News? He goes, this is just a parade of ignorance. He yeah. goes, it's just a festival of propaganda. Really? So, yeah, I'm not sure. I might have switched the f- parade and festival, but those are pretty much paraphrasing his words. Here, we'll play it here because it's kind of funny. Can I, can I just ask a question? Yeah, sure. What, what is Fox News? It's just a parade of propaganda, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a festival of ignorance. What? Why, a million Fox people are News. dead in Iraq. 
Come on, this is ridiculous. What's the point of this? Um, this is insane. Well, I, I love, uh, go I out, love people Fox at home. News. Go outside. Go, go hug Lee, your children. you should be more. Well, <laughs> robots <laughs> malfunctioning. <laughs> Listen you know, to the girls. Yeah, you should be more worried about that. Watch this though. This is where it gets great. All right. We're also talking about Captain Kirk this morning because it's Saturday morning. We're having some fun, Greg. Because it's Saturday morning, we're having some fun. Yeah, look who just uh, beamed aboard right now. The ladies from the Starship Enterprise. Hello. Hello. Welcome. How are you? Okay. Their friend Bones, you know him as Dr. McCoy, just wrote a new book on Captain Kirk and the way he was able to woo beautiful women like this. It's all coming up. Oh, that's Jesus hilarious. Jesus Christ. Wow. Like, they proved his point. Exactly. It's almost like it's scripted. It's wow. almost like simulation theory is true, and we're, we're living in a goddamn Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, it does seem like that, doesn't it? It really <laughs> does. It's beautiful, though. I think there's something beautiful about that. I, it does feel like there's like a, a narrative at work here. And yeah. Well, the only way you can live that fake life is if it's fake. The actual, you know, this, this, uh, this puritanical ideal that they've held up, it's not natural, and they haven't been really living it anyway. Way. They've been pretending to be living it, being freaks in this sort of a rebound sort of a way to balance everything out. And I think that ultimately that's being exposed over and over and over and over again to the point where it's not going to be a viable option anymore. Like powdered wigs aren't a viable option anymore. Yes. <laughs> you can't wear a fucking powdered wig, you know, and you can't pretend you're this, you know, Rick Santorum guy that, you know, just is a good man who believes in the Bible and doesn't want to see gays get married, doesn't want to ruin the institution of marriage with homosexual activity that's been shunned upon in the Bible. Yeah. May I quote? And you're like, oh, fucking criminy. What's going on, really? What's going on behind the scenes with you, Cat? Yeah. What, 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 what is in your head, yeah. man? I keep waiting for it to get to that point where anybody who's got a big problem with homosexuality yeah. is by default admitting to their own homosexual life. Right. But I've been waiting 30 years for America to go, come on, this is too silly to be real. Ronald Reagan? Are you yeah. kidding? That guy was such a joke. But, you know, he's St. Ronald. And the seeds now, he planted right? 30 years ago, well, even then. Well, even then, there was, was a lot of criticism. I was in college with dudes who voted for him. But do, do you remember the criticism, though? It was pretty open. There was a lot of people that didn't like him. I remember when yeah. he was in but office. But not enough that he didn't win 49 out of it's 50 true. states in his reelection. Oh, well, listen, know? man, I'm not saying that, you know, he didn't dominate the vast majority of the, you know, I mean, there was a lot of idiots back then. But yeah. the difference between the way people look at him now and the way people looked at him then, now it's almost all glowing. When people talk about Reagan, mm. I, I hardly ever hear any criticism. Yeah, you don't hear about Iran-Contra and no. Nicaragua and El Salvador and all that Oliver, crazy yeah, shit. Oliver North Oliver and North. all that craziness. And, you know, yeah. We, but my, po my point is that this idea that suddenly we're going to wake up and realize how ridiculous it is and it's, it's Rick Santorum is too ridiculous to be real. It's, uh, fucking, what's her name? Sarah Palin. Mm. You know, I, I am amazed that how flexible the reality muscle seems to be, that mm. people are willing to accept this stuff that Frank Zappa was laughing about 40 years ago. Well, I, think, I wonder if they're accepting it, though. I wonder if I think that you watch these shows enough and it creates the illusion of acceptance. But mm. then if you if anywhere on the Internet or any, you just see this constant rebellion against that kind of um uh, square, mainstream, homophobic, angry personality. and But you watch Fox News, and yeah, you watch Fox News, or you watch anything on TV, and it's an illusion. 
You know, you watch the uh, the commercials. Everything's this big illusion. You watch the commercials, and it's like people go in and buy a car and make it. It seems normal. It seems totally normal that people are going in to get deeply in debt to the banks. That all seems incredibly normal. But then more and more on the internet, you see like uh, people rebelling against this and showing how the bankers, like the whole system, is this fucked up thing. And emerging things like Bitcoin, which are like slowly moving the energy away from it. I don't know. I I know what you mean. I don't think it's going to be a sudden thing. I think it's going to be more like a just a gradual shift as people just stop watching TV. That's that's going to happen. People are just going to, you know, I drive down the street billboards for fucking um like amazon.com shows, you know, like billboards for shows that aren't really controlled by these big networks. Netflix. Netflix, Hulu. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, But I, isn't Amazon just another big network? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a network or it's a international conglomerate or whatever it, it is, it's big money. It is, but you're right, but, but that's just the billboards. Media. The reality is it's you're not right. the, but the, yeah, but it's not. It's not right because the media is a very different thing. The media where you're talking about television, you're talking about a very hard thing to get into. The medium when you're talking about an internet, you're talking about right. an incredibly easy right. thing to get into. Literally open to almost anyone with an internet connection. You can make a YouTube video. It doesn't cost you a goddamn dime. Yeah. If you have a laptop that has a camera on it, you can talk into it, you can make a YouTube video. That Yeah, that's a big change. That's yeah. not just a big change. That might be the biggest change in human history. It might be the biggest change right. since a monkey ate a mushroom. Right. That well, might or be certainly the since the printing press. The printing right? press. Printing yeah. press More, was a major. I, I, yeah, for sure, giant. You know, and, and similar in the sense that it, it took the power of communication away from mm. very few and gave it to a lot more. Right. So, and that's sort of one of the more fascinating things about this is that there, you know, even if Amazon does put something online, it's no better than iJustine, who has like you know mm. forty five fucking billion right. followers, and she every video she put, you know, there's people like that that just became famous through the internet. Yeah. Jenna Marbles is another one, right? She yeah. she's got like millions and millions and millions of hits. Okay, mm. yeah. Here's what it is. Here's what it is because I, I I've just been reading. Sheldrake's new book, um, Science Set Free, and he talks about morphic resonance or something. And I know you have some, I think you've, you're skeptical about Sheldrake, but uh, I, it's like when you just have TV, TV is a tuning fork. And when there was no internet and it was just TV and it was a depiction of here's what a family looks like, here's what people tend to, it's corporations saying, here's what people do when they're healthy. And that creates a tuning fork effect, which is like if you're watching it enough, you're going to either resonate with it or, or, or and, and feel like, yes, I'm doing great. I have a wife and a house mm. and a car and a job and that's great. I'm in tune with what everyone else is doing. But that's an illusion. That's never been what everyone else is doing. It's just what massive conglomerates are sending out there, um, either in the form of hypnotic content that keeps you glued to your seat as you watch corporations try to get you in debt to buy cars, you know, it's 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 generally it's just it's it's a uh, the whole thing is just a, a, a tuning all of society uh, in a way that society maybe isn't meant to be tuned at all. And so with the internet now, you have all these different smaller tuning forks. You know, your podcast is a tuning fork. People tune into the stuff that you talk about and the different people that you bring on the podcast send out information that causes a new kind of tuning to start happening. So that's why when you watch like Huckabee, you'd really feel like you're like listening to somebody sing off key. Because you're not resonating. You're not resonating. You've been tuned into a whole different thing, which Mm. is what the internet's, I think, one of the major things the internet has done. You know, you get these communities, Reddit. You can get tuned into the Reddit frequency Mm -hmm. quite Mm -hmm. easily, where suddenly it all just starts making sense. And that is why the, you know, the Duck Dynasty guy or any of these... uh, 
uh, weirdos who are um, um, who are just ultimately just angry people. That's why they seem so fucking crazy. Or they play angry people on TV, right? Because I think a lot of these people aren't even you know like that the, the right wing politician. The Duck Dynasty guy. The Duck Dynasty guy has been giving speeches like that for years at these biblical yeah. retreats and stuff. He's been doing that for there's videos. Of oh, that's his there. real shtick. He's not. He's a yeah. fire and brimstone, God fearing Christian man who was living mm. on the wrong side of the law and Jesus at one point in time, and then turned it all around and wants to let everybody know uh. about the evils of sin. He's an old dummy. That's what he is. He's an old dummy that <laughs> loves dicks. That's a scientific name for him. Hey, he's an old dummy that probably <laughs> just one time sucked a dick and liked it way too much. <laughs> or someone sucked his dick and it's his favorite yeah. moment. Oh, he looks God. back on his childhood and he's turned it into, you know, a safe. career. I bet he was hunting <laughs> ducks when it happened. I bet sure. he was hunting. They're in that duck blind. They're all liquored up no. on moonshine. He wasn't hunting and... ducks. I bet right when he came into like some guy's mouth years ago out in the, out in the fucking the duck swamps. He saw That's a duck. why they call it a duck blind. Yeah, he saw a duck and the combined <laughs> pleasure and shame mixed inside him. He's right. like, I'm just going to kill ducks from now on and never think about this. You ducks, you didn't see shit. <laughs> Your mother didn't see shit. Your father didn't see shit. Nobody saw shit. Can you imagine if that's really what it was all? It was just a duck saw him get his dick sucked by a guy and he's like, fuck that. It didn't yeah. happen. Didn't happen. I need to kill ducks. <laughs> I think that's something like that happened, man. It's something like that happened. Yeah. But you know, man, oh, like what you do with with you know, mm-hmm. sex at dawn uh-huh. creates a resonance where it's like it's a it's a shame reliever. It's a shame reducer, man, because your book, I think it has been it's such a compassionate book for people who are stuck in monogamous relationships and feel guilty about the fact that they are attracted to other people. And I, that's like that guilt used to be a normal guilt. That was actually considered like, oh, something must be going wrong with your relationship if you're thinking about fucking other people. And your book makes shows like, no, actually that's just nature happening through you. You don't have to feel guilty about it or like something off balance in you it's just completely normal it doesn't mean you have to go and fuck other people but at least now you don't have to feel like i must not love her anymore or she must not love me anymore and what's I- that have to do with fucking ducks Country music songs. <laughs> That's the glue. Yeah. The glue that connects C- these two music. fucking ducks and, and the sadness you have yeah. for not wanting to be monogamy. Yeah. yeah. Country music. Country, Country music. music. You're right. That's the You're glue. Right. Yeah. It keeps it all together. It's the glue that holds the... Hold- That's why you need to listen to Phil Robertson and uh, uh, that that goddamn communist A&E that puts them on. Is that what it's on? Is it I on think A&E? it's A&E. Isn't that hilarious? So. It's on A&E. A&E used to be like fucking Masterpiece Theater and shit. <laughs> they yeah. Have, they used to have like, you know, arts and entertainment. <laughs> yeah. They used to have this, you know, interesting, fascinating programming that stimulated the mind. Now that it, don't sell cars. Not now anymore. it's anal entry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it's fucking, you know, uh, people that found a storage box what's in this storage box (laughs) yeah Yeah. i bet there's a lot of good stuff in there i bet there's nothing in there more after the break yeah yeah i wonder what how much you take for that (laughs) 500 i can't give you five i can give you three i gotta i gotta get at least four i don't know cut to commercial the narrative arc i'll tell you this is my last offer (laughs) and i'm being serious cut to commercial wow i wonder what his last offer is gonna be uh he got him down to three. <laughs> I wish I could say there hadn't been many Wait, times. You're guilty I... of this too, dude. Oh, I, fuck yeah. I, I love just it. last sorry to interrupt you, don't no, get go ahead. But last week I was I was in Mozambique and where I was staying, they had one of these satellites with seven hundred channels, and I was scrolling through, and who do I come upon? 
Joe Rogan, Fear, Fear Factor. Factor. Yeah. Some there was something <laughs> shooting fish through the air, and some woman in big waders had to catch the fish. I wish I could remember it. <laughs> it was another. Life. That wasn't your favorite episode. I don't want. Well, we did 148 of them. Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah, more actually because we did seven or six, six I think, six more upon return. That's nice. So we did. Yeah, we did. A full season, like at the biggest time, was like 34 episodes, 34 one-hour shows. Were you having fun? I mean, are, are, are you okay. contractually prohibited from discussing no, it? No, not at all. No. I mean, it was, wasn't like doing stand-up or it wasn't like uh, right. working for the UFC or anything like that. But the people were really nice that worked on the show. Mm. They became good friends. And yeah. they, they were fun folks. We had fun. You know, like it was a real nice crew. Yeah, it was like, that's cool. It was, and yeah. when, when you have that, it's like that... that that's like the most important thing about working on a show. It's like, a family, yeah, right? You're yeah. with the same people all day. Yeah. But ultimately, the product itself, like, you know, I mean, it's it's mindless entertainment. You know, it's a it's a, a competition, a ridiculous competition that's good to distract you if you're looking for some distraction. Yeah, but it shouldn't. It's junk food. It's junk food for the mind. Yeah, not that it's anything, nothing bad about it, but nothing good about it either. There's no no reason to think that it's going to elevate anything in any way. <laughs> but it is better than arguing over how much you're going to pay for a container. I mean, uh, let's, maybe let's face I guess it. it is. But well, there was real human drama in Fear Factor. There was undeniable. Right. Like right. people really shit their pants when they were forced to do certain stunts <laughs> and height stunts and think ridiculous things they had to eat. It's it, a miracle nobody got it. fucked up for real on that. I show. was just talking to my good friend David Hurwitz, who will be. Uh, we're going to figure out a day to put him on the podcast. He was the executive producer of the show. One of the executive producers, him and Matt Cunitz. And uh, we were talking about it on the phone the other day. We were like, I'm, I told him, I go, I want to be honest with you, man. I'm glad they ended the last season. I go, because I think it was like on its way yeah. to mm. being like, it was so ramped up. With the stunts getting more and more risky? Way more yeah. risky. Well, I don't want to say risky because it's, I, I'm a, I'd be ignorant to say that I'm not a stunt man. I'm not a stunt designer. I don't know what's dangerous and what's not. I don't know what just looks dangerous, which is actually pretty safe. Mm. But all I know is they became they were starting to get more and more spectacular. Like right. we were, we were we had these people attached with a bungee cord to a helicopter, and the they, I mean I mean they were like two hundred the helicopter was like two hundred yards away on this enormous bungee cord, and uh, they had a their partner had to undo locks, and when they uh, undid the locks they had to find the right key like this giant ring of keys, <laughs> and if they uh, did it within a certain amount of time the person got launched off of this tree like you know fucking hundred two hundred yards into the air on a bungee cord attached to the bottom of <laughs> helicopter Fuck. it was fucking crazy <laughs> and i remember they were describing uh, the helicopter they're like well you know we have to be careful with this because you got to make sure that the people don't pull the helicopter at a weird angle <sighs> that makes the helicopter spiral out of control oh, can you imagine as you're falling the helicopter just slices you into hamburger we did a lot of them like this where people hung from helicopters but that that's really not that big of a deal they're just hanging over water you know if they fall they just land on the water and they're not going nearly as fast as it looks like. Booge, though. That's God a long damn. drop. That's a long yeah, but drop. you're gonna live. <laughs> it just yeah. it sucks. It feels weird, but you're gonna live. Yeah. You learn a lot about human beings from a show like that, though. It's fascinating because between that and uh, doing MMA commentary, I really I know a lot about seeing people when they're when they're breaking, mm. like the, at the point where they they can't they can't tolerate it anymore and they give up. There's a give up point that some people have. Some people don't even have it. Some people never give up. They just have this that they that whatever that give up thing is a part of them. It's broken. Mm. They don't they don't even consider it. They'll just march forward, their face hanging off. There's this guy Diego Sanchez who fights like that. This guy might not be the most skilled fighter. He's very skillful. Might not be the most skilled, but 
he's one of the most crazy in that he's not going to quit. That's, this is dangerous, man. Did you see that video of those two guys at the spa who broiled themselves? Did you see that? They broiled themselves. Yeah, it's like a competition. Like who can get? In, it's like a spa, right? Who can stay in the? Who can stay in the spa the longest in this in this sauna? And it's oh, these two guys, God. and they like you know it's a it's an elimination process. Th- these are really disturbing pictures if you show them. But it's like basically uh, one of the guys died. Like he broiled himself inside this thing because he wouldn't get out. He wouldn't listen to his body. He broiled. He just cooked himself like a fucking lobster in there. And I think one of the guys survived, but there's just a picture of him you can find if you google search like guys fried in sauna or something <laughs> i don't know what it is but it's like he's just what? laying there and his whole body's oh, rigid Christ. he's like you know like like you put a fucking like a lighter on a ant which god forgive me i did want when i was a kid i know but it's just like that like he's just curled up and he's bright blistered red oh my god. really horrible because he wouldn't give up what a dumbass way to die you die at a spa hey, hey he died with his slippers on <laughs> I mean, it's like being massaged to death. Those little rubber slippers on. (laughs) Yeah. Those rubber slippers they give you. Fatal relaxation. Yeah. You know? Hey, the guy, he went out. He's a fucking hero in my book. The guy's got balls. The guy's got balls. (laughs) He didn't give up. There's an interesting thing, though. You see, like, people who rise to the occasion and people who Uh, doubt themselves. And you see them, like, fumble and stumble because of the pressure. And some people find a way to, like, to get through it. It's one of the. More fascinating things about watching anything that's a competition is that we we wonder how we would do in that scenario, mm. and we almost always fall short. Yes, so we're always in awe of the guy who manages to get by all those people that are trying to drag him to the ground yeah. and carry that ball across the line. Yeah, amazing. But, I wouldn't have but, done but, it. You know, in the yeah. list of things that people are afraid of, consistently number one after death, of course, is public speaking. Mm. Right, and here you guys are two stand-up comedians. Right, I give public presentations. I mean, I think that's. That's a big one. I mean, I don't know how it compares adrenaline-wise to hanging from a helicopter on a bungee cord or, or whatever. Sauna <laughs> or sauna competition. Or sauna. Show that A sauna pic. off. Can you, can you show that pic? Look I, can't, at, I can't find the gross one. It's just these two. Show just one. They oh, might have geez. pulled it from that, the internet. That's not the guy. It's like a guy who's like, maybe some, somebody tweet. Or, uh, maybe it's not the real picture. Maybe you got a picture of a guy Somebody tweet a JPEG of this guy getting broiled, uh, man. He's. It's really. It's, how I mean, do you know it's true, Duncan? Have you I almost died in a sauna once. Really? Yeah. What yeah, happened? but I'd been drinking a lot and Whoa. then decided to have sex with my girlfriend. Holla. And wow. Yeah, we passed out. And oh, my God. Both of us in the sauna and we Fuck. were alone. Yeah. And luckily, I don't I woke up somehow. I First rolled of over. All, you guys are fucking lightweights. <laughs> what do you I mean? I just had to say that. Passed hey, out in it, a was, sauna it was it was a lot of alcohol. Fucks, man. <laughs> exactly. That's I what I was going to say. I bet Chris Ryan fucks Shh. like a honey you know badger. What? I'll, I'll tell you what. said that. You don't know how he fucks, man. <laughs> And she was a volleyball player. Holla. I'm lucky I didn't break my dick. That was really powerful one, so be careful. <laughs> yeah. Really strong, athletic. Puerto Rican volleyball player. Oh, Jesus, Louisa. <laughs> yeah. Good God, man. How are you still alive? <laughs> In a sauna. Is that there real? There you go. Yeah, that's real, man. Look at his skin falling off. That's it. And he's all rigid. He's dead. He fr- he, bro- he broiled himself. He broiled himself. That guy's dying right there? I think he's probably dead already there. But he's, or he's... What does it say, Jamie? What's the scroll down right there? Hold so on. He's being removed from the sauna. Oh, my goodness. That guy got fucking cooked. He got cooked. They literally cooked themselves. For what? A trophy? He probably won at least $5. It's ridiculous, People man. People are so silly. Humans get lured into awful things. I got to pee here. Yeah, that is a weird thing, man. Darwin Award. That's a Darwin Award winner right there. Yeah, it is. But, you know, we, we also, if 
if he won and it was like a million dollars or something like that and he was okay, we would applaud him for his ability to withstand extreme agony. We, we somehow or another admire people that are willing to uh, survive extreme agony and the force of endurance races and things like that. For something meaningful, though, not for a million right. dollars. Right. Uh, you know? I well, mean, what's weirder, this or dying in a super marathon, one of those hundred marathon, you know, hundred mile marathons and your fucking think, heart gives out? I think they're out. both kind of dumb, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing against <laughs> athletes, but. I, yeah, I just I, I I find all that kind of hardcore competition meaningless. I just read a very interesting book called Man's Search for Meaning by mm. Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp in World War II. He was a psychiatrist, and he said he said the the how of anything is resolved if you find the why. And what he meant was you can survive anything if it's meaningful. If it's not meaningful, anything will take you down. Wow. It's a very interesting book, beautiful book. Anyway, I don't know why the hell I'm talking about that. Uh, oh, endurance, right? Because he yeah. endured Auschwitz, mm -hmm. you know? So I find that, you know, that's obviously incredibly admirable. But somebody's like, you put yourself in that position? I was talking to a friend in Africa, mm -hmm. and he was joking. He was like, you know, only white people die bungee jumping and, you know, like motorcycle jumping and all this. He said, that's a white dude thing. If I told my mother I died bungee jumping or if someone told my mother I died bungee jumping, she'd be like, that idiot was bungee jumping? He didn't die from malaria or starvation or, you know, like, what are you, white? Well, that's a, that's a, like a hack stand-up comedian premise. That's a, oh, is it? Yeah, for yeah. black comics, we'll talk about, like, camping. That's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're terrified of bears camping. and shit. You know, black people don't go camping. And yeah. it's, it's like the whole thing that, like, white people go out bungee jumping. White people uh, jump yeah. out of a helicopter and ski down the side of a mountain. Those so maybe he stole people. this from Dane Cook. No, I don't think it's probably an obvious premise because it's true. Like yeah. a lot of things, there's a lot of parallel thinking when it comes to the realization that if you live in an incredibly dangerous environment like Africa and you're looking at white people that are fucking- You're not looking for danger. Jumping. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing, stupid? I mean, yeah. it's, it seems to be, it writes itself. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, you can't like see how a lot of people would come to the same conclusion. Yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> white <laughs> it's people are fucking <laughs> hang gliding and shit and yeah. getting in those fucking wingsuits and flying through oh, downtown that's Brazil. That's intense. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I can't even watch that shit. Yeah. Dude, did you, see, did you see that video of the uh, gay dance troupe in Alabama? Yes, I tweeted it. So awesome. Oh, that they hired by accident? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tell the story. Well, it was like they hired like uh, some, they, uh, they hired like a, a, a gay uh, a female impersonator dance troupe to accidentally for this uh, parade and they and like they like what was the name of the uh, dance troupe I can't remember the name I don't remember but it was something ridiculous but what's so funny is you have so here's what you have you have these like the gay dancers and, and they're interviewing them and co like combining that with interviews with an angry mother who's like my child never should have had to see something like that she's clearly the satanist Right, she's like a pawn of the Dark Lord. She's an angry, angry person. This, these, these guys, they, they're just saying like, they're saying like, that's so hilarious. Listen, man, if this came to my town, I would be fucking throwing money at them. It's just hilarious. It's fabulous. It's great, man. They're they're good too. Come on, that's funny. In in the in the interview that they did with him, they threw out like Alan Watts level wisdom. One of them says, "At the end of the day, we just came to dance." 
It's really beautiful and sweet. Meanwhile, this white, angry white lady is like, ah, my child will never be the same. <laughs> my child saw dancing coon yeah. with a Santa Claus outfit on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's really it's really weird. Like, who's <laughs> evil? Funny. You should be laughing with what's, your kids. How is that so hurting funny. anything? You know what why? does that hurt? I'll tell you why. These people don't get any weed. That's what it is. <laughs> right. Weed is just not not really getting down there. And Cops are trying no to keep acid. it. If we yeah. were high and we were at the side of the road and that parade walked by, we, <laughs> we would be laugh. in our glory. Yes. <laughs> yes. We would cheer and we would... We uh, might join them. Fuck! I don't know if I join. Pull your them. shirt up and join that in. That would be distracting can, them from their answer. work that they've obviously put. It'd yeah. be like me being a heckler who thinks he's funnier than the comedian. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you think so? Yeah, because they they've obviously that was the other thing about it. Like that shit was choreographed. Uh, it's true. It's not their it's fault that, that yeah. the fucking people who hired them didn't really know what they were getting. <laughs> it's yeah. like being a comic and you get booked for a club and they oh. go, "Well, we expect you to work clean." Well, I expect you to know what the fuck I do before you hire me. Yeah. I'm here, dude. You either want me to do comedy or not, but you don't get to tell me what to do. It's like when Ted, you know the thing when Ted had Sarah Silverman, and then they, and she came out and did what Sarah Silverman always does, and then the next day the head of Ted tweeted that it was the most god-awful performance he'd ever seen, and he uh. was embarrassed to have invited her and shit. Like, how, how are you surprised that Sarah Silverman says shit that's offensive? Well, what was her premise? What was she uh, going on to... Uh to talk about do you know she just did her stand-up routine she did the thing uh talking about uh, you know adopting a baby with terminal illness you know that that business (laughs) what's that joke you haven't heard that (laughs) no oh it's great it's it's you know the whole thing is like i love kids and you know she does it with her cute sarah silverman thing i love babies and but they get older and then they get it's problematic and so there's so many kids who need you know need parents i'm going to adopt children with terminal illnesses so they die when they're seven or eight, and then I can get another one. And, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is great. She's well, wonderful. It's, yeah. it's fucked up, but it's obviously comedy. Yeah, like the, this idea that, and this is one of the grossest things that's going on these days. And I've actually started talking about this on stage. There's there's a real problem with people pretending that jokes are statements, and that this is right. these are actual opinions. Like, there's an art. To saying fucked up shit you don't really mean if I know that you don't really mean it. Yeah. It's fun. You and I do it all it's the, the time. It's the essence of comedy. Duncan will call me up. Duncan will call me up and say the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say, well, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> how, how long have you been working with the Mormons? <laughs> And you're like, Joe, I've seen the air of my waist. You'll like hang in there for like five minutes. And, but when, when he got taken by comedy. the NSA to the camp, right? Oh, and, yeah. And people, the camp. That was fantastic. On my man. podcast, yeah. I said that I'd been taken to, the, to a camp. Re-education to camp. To a re-education camp. And then, and then like me and Brendan Walsh just sang songs about how great the beach is. <laughs> and it just turned into this like vapid thing. But man, I think that like that it's what people forget is that it's the intention yeah, behind. It's always it's that. always the always intention. That. I think there's people feel like there's cheap laughs that people get away with at the expense of other people's feelings, and that's why they don't like certain kinds of 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 jokes. I agreed. There's there's a there's a balance, and there's there's off color subjects that are absolutely done hilarious and then there's off color subjects that are done crudely and it's almost insulting how bad the material is and you're obviously just doing it just for shock factor yeah and we know the difference between the two you know it's the difference between someone you want to listen to where they're carefully considering what they're saying and then someone who's just not really either capable of 
or not willing to look deep enough to get true insight. So when but saying, both both have to be accepted, though, yes, right? Yeah, because you can't have one without the other. It's you have a to compare call. them. You need shitty yeah. comedy to compare the exactly, good comedy. Right. You need bad experiences. I think the hack for life, as far as like bad experiences, like the the sadness and the trouble, and then the happiness, is just exercise. Just fucking work out in a brutally hard way and avoid all that depression. Just get all that shit out of your way. Like if you get through a, like a brutal kickboxing workout or a jiu-jitsu workout, regular normal nonsense like I'm fucking leaving, that's it. I've got my shit. Okay. All right. You're too tired oh, to give a yeah. shit. Yeah. Look, just been choking me all night. Okay, you leaving? Mm, okay. So yeah. um that is a shocking thing about exercise sometimes when I'm depressed and I finally like drag myself out of the house and go to the gym and just run and sweat. And then I'm in my car and I feel great. And it's like, really? That's all I am? Is that it? I just have to exercise. There's no like chant. Well, you're it, a fucking bag of chemicals. There's no right. chant. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you want the the uh, mystical payoff. Yeah. No, I, I just it, want it. I want it. Yeah. I want it. It's like some part of when you realize just how very simple it is, yeah. some part of you will reject that because you want it to be complex. You want to be, you want it to be something uh, like, oh, I, you mean I, I don't. Just, I don't want it to be complex. I just want it to hurt less. Well, yeah. it's, it's always doing that to you anyway. I mean, there's a, there's a transformative process throughout every experience that you have throughout your life. Everything that you do, you sort of get a balance on, well, now I know how to handle this better this time. The reality of the situation is we have a certain amount of requirements that our body needs. It needs to move around. Mm. It has to. If it doesn't, it atrophies. It becomes right. fairly useless. Right. Like, you have to keep Sleep. it moving. And Good food. to really appreciate the, the movement of it, you have to push it really hard. Right. You push it really hard. It's like a drag racer or like a, a race car that you could develop into a race car. You develop it just by pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and it becomes a race car. Or if you let it sit alone, it becomes a really junkety old shit box that can't start anymore. I mean, it, it literally right. is almost that simple. I wonder if you really have to push it, though, because I'm thinking of hunter-gatherer people, right, who are sort of the model for what the body needs. And they don't really push it, but they move constantly. Mm-hmm. Moving constantly is hard. Have you ever gone hiking with pack and go yeah. into yes. the fucking mountains? Yeah, no, it's it's fucking good. It's a good hard. workout. It's yeah. a real workout. Yeah. Like you start to like walking up hills all day, man. You get fucking exhausted. Yeah. Yes, Nepal. There's a guy we were talking about. Um, this guy that um, he there's a show called Solo Hunters, and uh, these guys they take like these little um, you know, those little GoPros and attach yeah. them to their mm. rifle or their bow and arrow, and they have a camera with them. and They go out into the woods and they hunt bear and moose and like. Crazy shit. Well, one of the guys, this guy, Remy Warren, who's uh, like this world-famous hunter, he's got a VO2 max of a high-level endurance athlete. And all he does is hike. He just he hunts 300 days a year. So he's high constantly altitude. walking around at high altitude. Yeah. Yeah, constantly walking around on hills in high altitude carrying backpacks. Yeah. It's fucking hard work. Yeah. It's really hard work. So, like, that's what, if you were going to hunt, like, that's what you had to do. You had to fucking walk a lot. Mm. It's like hunting is not just like, oh, let's go to the animal place and go shoot one of those fucking things <laughs> right. and drag it out of there. Like, no, you got to find them. You got to track them. You got to sneak up on them. Especially in the old days, you had dog shit equipment. You had like bows and arrows that you made yourself. Like, <laughs> That's oh my crazy. God. Spears. Terrible. And you got to get close <laughs> enough to an animal to use that thing. And yeah. there's a common misconception that like there were more deer back then. Actually, there weren't. There's more deer today in North America than there have ever been. Way more than like when Columbus first got here. 
because of management, because of all the different habitats, because of farmlands, they thrive in farmlands mm. like fucking rats. Well, and because of the absence of predators, yes. which humans killed. Exactly. I was and just in Kruger off. Park in, in Africa a week ago. <laughs> Intense place, really interesting place. And I was thinking about that, that, that very issue of like how, because you drive, Kruger Park is this big area. It's, you know, I don't know how big it is, but it's, it's like a county size, you know, or bigger. And they're just dirt roads and you just sort of drive around. And the deal is you can never get out of your car because there are leopards and lions and all sorts of crocs and all shit everywhere. But you see a lot of stuff. I mean, there, we saw in the, during the day, we probably saw five or six lions just along the wow. side of one of these road, dirt roads. So if there are five or six lions just along the road, how many lions are there in that place? You know, it's like there's a lion every hundred meters along the road. Well, how many fucking lions can a place like that support? Of all my friends, you're the most likely to get eaten by an animal. I just realized that. <laughs> Well, did you know that in um, in those areas in South, South Africa, especially, like, a lot of those places where wild animals exist, they're fenced in. Yeah. There's a lot of what they call high-fence hunting operations in South Africa because it's a dirty secret about Africa and about a lot of North America, but even more dirty about Africa because Africa, a lot of it is trophy hunting. The amount of money that people pay to go hunting over there is is re, that's responsible for a great deal of the money that's used for conservation efforts. Mm. Yeah. Like there's a re, like, and they, also for importing animals, like they've there's more a lot of African animals in Texas right. than there are in Africa, because in Texas they bring them to these wild uh, wild hunting ranches, like thousands and thousands of acres, and they just have these deer just live there. They just live in in Texas now, and they just live off the land. Mm. And then they, you know, they take guided trips to go and hunt these things. But they have African wild animals that are running around, like Sitka deer and shit, running around Axis deer, running around in Texas. Yeah, it's weird. But these people who pay for like hunting licenses, they go over and. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, there was a piece on, like, how cowardly it is to hunt the lions. Like, someone showed it on this website. Because they're just sitting there. Like, all you do is you run up to the difference between a normal day and a day where the car shoots them is that a metal stick comes out, and then all of a sudden their life ends. Oh, so they're man. just sitting there. They have no idea you're a threat. They have no idea that this is a game that we're playing, like we're going to shoot the lion. They're just, just sitting there chilling, and then someone comes along and will ice a lion. Like, it's yeah. kind of fucked, but people want to be able to say that they, they killed a lion. As if there were any danger whatsoever. Yeah, yeah well, so. yeah, a lot of them are doing, they're doing it from trucks. They're doing it from the roof of trucks. There's a great Hemingway short story about a, a guide who takes a man and his wife out to hunt lions. <laughs> and, cool. and the guy is about to shoot the lion and the lion charges. And the dude freaks, and the guide has to kill the lion when he's about to kill the, the guy. Yeah. And, uh, and then that night, the guide sleeps with the guy's wife. Holla! Yes, that's of course Hemingway. He does. Of course, Hemingway. Yeah. What Hemingway a badass! So so fucking manly. Did you ever see that uh, Woody Allen uh, movie where um, I think it's called Midnight in Paris? Yes, the Owen Wilson movie. Where he goes back in time and he meets Hemingway. Yeah, that, that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, you know? oh. I, I love that premise. All the different writers and painters and stuff that were there. Picasso yeah. was yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, You're, just the idea of meeting Hemingway. Man, it's just getting drunk with him. Some people live like really live, man. Some people really, like when I hear your stories about 
Africa and like you've been everywhere. Listen like, to you, woe is me. You just got back from a fucking <laughs> spiritual retreat with Ram Dass in <laughs> exactly. Hawaii. No, I don't feel You're so silly. I don't feel I don't feel woe is me. I'm just saying like when I was there, when I was at that retreat, and by the way, that's not like in Africa. There's no lions there. <laughs> There's cougars. But like I, oh, yeah, oh. I just can't but uh but, they're more dangerous with crystals. But 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 when when I was um you know, when I was there, you would run into people who just, all they do is just travel. They figure out how to do it. They just travel around the world. And you're kind of like that. Tra- I used you're to You're like be. a traveler. You seem, you were just in Africa. Yeah, but I was there because my, my wife's daughter was getting married, right? I mean, I, I didn't go to like Africa. I used to, for years, for 15, 20 years, I, the thing that was most meaningful for me was movement and travel and seeing new cultures and all that. So, like, you're talking about backpacks, man. I wore a backpack for 15 years. Like, well, oh. you're the real deal, dude. You're you're a guy who really made that choice. You're, right. you're a guy who got a to that point choice, and you're yeah. like, you know what? Nope. I'm going to have a bunch of really cool experiences yeah, yeah. and yeah. a bunch of adventures. But, but just like anything else, you sort of, you get to have been there, done that point. And it started to be like, well, you know what? Another stamp in my passport really doesn't fucking matter anymore. Well, you yeah. are you have a real gift for podcasting, and I'm glad you're really oh, doing you, this man. now. You're you have a, a a gift for the narrative that may not may not come through in just a printed word as much because you can't hear you say it. Right. You know, there's there's it's not just the thoughts that you say; it's how you say it. And you're you're very good at it. You know, so the idea that you didn't do it before. And now that you have done it, like the idea that you're going to just travel around the world and not give us fresh podcasts, people are like, this is bullshit, <laughs> yeah. bro. Well, you thank just, you. you. That's really nice of you door. to say no, that. No, it's true, man. I'm, I'm really glad you're doing and it. And the guy who got me into it is Duncan. And I mean, Daniele Bolelli, I'm really yeah. glad he's doing it as well. Yeah. It's, it's a cool thing. And I'm it really glad cool. you're doing it as well. I mean, it's, uh, it's, podcasting is one of the weirdest and most uh, fascinating entrants into the world of medium that's ever existed. It's yeah. one, of the, one of the weirdest. And one of the ones where you can, I think, probably affect the, cha- the, the, like the curve of society. I think the curve of society is going to get affected more by fascinating podcasts than by virtually anything that they've ever had as far as like the, the uh, uh, like exposed electronic media, whether it's television, whether it's radio. I think all those things had a big impact. But I think podcasting and viewer created or you know uh in, regular user created content yeah whatever it may be people with webcams people writing blogs like this this new stream of stuff that's coming down the pipe now it's so different there there were no podcasts like yours it did not exist when i was in high school if it did exist when i was in high school me and my friends would have huddled around candles okay <laughs> and we would we, we, we would have sat around listening <laughs> and true. we would have talked about do you think duncan's right yeah my dad's a fucking asshole duncan's <laughs> totally right this dick just wants me to suffer like him and he'll fucking regret it on his dying deathbed but will i let him regret it fuck no i'm taking my guitar and i'm fucking hitchhiking to canada <laughs> and that's and I think, you know, that that exists now in mass. You yeah. know, and you're yeah. doing it, you're doing it. There's a, so many of our friends have podcasts, Bill Burr and Brian Callen and Ari Shafir and Joey Diaz. It's like a fucking epidemic. Yes. I mean, you want to talk about an epidemic of entertainment. It's Podcasting is an epidemic. Yeah, it's definitely, um, and it's, I, I wonder what it's going to evolve into. I, I because it's still in the early embryonic phases yeah. of the thing. I, I wonder what it's going to be in 15 years, what it will be or how it will be accepted. Or 
or what it'll be. I, I'm really well, it's curious all, it's about gonna that. vary just like everything else varies. It's like books. Like, you know, there's books that are dog shit. You're not gonna get a goddamn thing out of them. Right. And there's books that you read like the war of art that just you read a couple of passages and you're like, God, yes, this fucking guy's nailing it. Right. Like, holy shit, like this is a real game changer. This is a uh, this guy's giving me the tools to reapproach my my way of looking at the very thing I do for a living. Like, wow, this is kind of nuts. You know, so there's 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 a lot of variation when it comes to podcasting, but it's the possibility that someone could just express something and it can get there immediately. Think about all the time and effort you had to put to creating a book like Sex at Dawn. And think about if you just decided to break that discussion up into X amount of podcasts and just freely relay your experiences on the subject, the information, where you got it from, passionately talk about these cultures where these people have these you know, unique experiences with each other, passionately talk about the roots of common misconceptions about things like promiscuity and a lot of this this it's all missing in a flat word mm. you know you could get that you gather the the pros and you know you can kind of paint the but to hear a person say it you know to hear you talk about yeah. your own work is almost more rewarding yeah and it's and it's very rewarding on on my side as a writer because the the thing is like I'm not one of these people who always wanted to be a writer I I always had people telling me I should be a writer cuz when I wrote something it worked you know but I never like writing. I still don't like writing. And people get really disappointed to hear that. Like, oh, you know, it's your process. And like my process, I just avoid it as long as possible and then do it. You know, that's my process. I hate it. I really like public speaking and I like stuff like this because there's an immediacy to it. Yeah. You know, it's the difference between sitting in a studio and making a record and doing concerts. It's, it's energized. If you're not terrified by public speaking, as none of us are, you guys know better than me, it, it, fills you with energy to be on yeah. stage and see people responding to what you're saying as yeah. opposed to draining it out of you, right? Also, I think that I can clearly see that I've benefited greatly from all these conversations. Like, I know me personally, it's expanded mm. my thoughts. It's an education. 100%. Yeah, it gives, you a re it gives people a reason to take time out of their day and talk with you, mm -hmm. which is so cool. It's also made me very enthusiastic about communicating with people. And I think the art of conversation you know, mm. I think we're so lost in the day-to-day -day grind where people have to pretend to be something they're not for the majority of their day. They, you know, they have to be reserved. You can't, you know, make jokes. You can't talk about anything that's really crazy or controversial right. because you have to work. You know, you're there to work. You're not there to be yourself. So you, there's all this suppression. And then when people get free of that, you know, how much time do they really have to, 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 to truly open up? Right. And the more people you're around that are exposing you to different thoughts, like one of the things that I love about talking to you is you and I often agree on, on things, but we also have wildly different perspectives that we come yeah. at these things from. And you're, you'll oftentimes come at something where I'll go, yeah, I fucking, you know, I, I agree <laughs> you. with you, but you're coming at it from such a weird place that I probably never would have considered. But because you're my friend, I get to consider that. And then I get enriched by this possibility. And then you being my friend, you will come up with another possibility. And we all feed off of each other. And then other people listen to that and they say, hey, I was listening to Duncan Trussell talk about this thing. And Christopher Ryan said that this is, and then, and then boom, and that branches out. And then it, it spreads from there. The enhancement that you feel in mm -hmm. having these conversations is contagious. It's contagious yeah. to other people that are listening to it. Yeah. I met people in, in Maputo, Mozambique. Who listened to Duncan's podcast? <laughs> no way. Yeah, seriously. 
Yeah. What's up? So and, awesome. and completely randomly, right? I'm sitting at a Time table a in, this, in this wedding, <laughs> and I said something about a podcast, and, and someone at the table is like, oh, I listen to podcasts. And I was like, oh, who do you listen to? You, you know, and he's like, oh, this guy Duncan Trussell. I think he's in L.A. It's like, yeah. I've <laughs> heard of him. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking That's badass. That's so badass, the, man. The range. <laughs> I got an email from someone saying, a FedEx driver in Utah who listens to my podcast when he's driving, and I'm sure yours as well, since we're all sort of in the same, and a woman in Finland who listens to it when she's commuting to work in the morning. Is she hot? I'll bet. She's Finnish. Duncan wants to know. She's got to be hot. Yeah. And it's know. dark up there all winter. Oh, she wants a hug. Uh, she, she wants to sit yeah. by the fire she and wants suck to dick. Meet you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there oh, you go. Duncan. We Duncan's got to go to the bathroom again. Well, the, if you just stop and think about the amount of downloads and the amount of episodes, just throw it out there. You know, with this podcast is, I think, what are we on, like 430? 430? This is a 433rd podcast. Each one of them is, wow. I think the majority of them are at least two hours long. Yeah. Most of them are three. The, the, the majority of them are three hours. There's only a few that are like an hour or more, just slightly more. So that's a lot of time. That's a lot of fucking information that gets and out there. I, can I just say, while we're talking about this, it sounds like an, an ass-kiss thing here, but you have really kind listeners. Every time I'm on your podcast, I get so many like tweets and emails from people, and nobody's being a dick. I mean, I'm sure there are dicks out there, but for some reason, they don't bother writing. You know, thank you, dicks. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people are just so like enthusiastic and supportive and cool. It's a, it's a really interesting com- self-selected community, I guess, because people who are dicks probably wouldn't be attracted to this podcast. Well, I think people resonate. Uh, what, like what they 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 imitate their atmosphere to a great extent, and if you're, you grow up in a terrible mm. place or a place that has weird tribal cultures, I mean we've seen it time and time again. Go back to Africa and like the the tradition of putting plates in your lips to signify how many cows you get. I mean, it's a lot of weird fucking things that right. people do, and you can get in a bad group, and you can get in a bad pattern, and you can get into a, a bad groove that uh, a lot of other people are also in, and it's really easy to do, and you see that in. There's radio stations that have followings where it's known that if you go on stage, like the Opie Anthony show, I love Opie and Anthony, but it was known amongst a lot of comedians that if you get up, they were going to fucking torture you. <laughs> like Bill Burr has a famous video of, uh, and this is my favorite radio show ever, Opie and Anthony show, so I'm not criticizing them, but they're, they're, you know, they're a bunch of men talking shit, and they're the, what they call the pests, so the, the listeners, they're fucking savages, savages, and they booed Dom Herrera. And uh, after they booed Dom Herrera, Bill Burr is a huge Dom Herrera fan, always has been. So Bill went on after him and just tore the whole city a new asshole. Yeah. Just kept talking shit about Philadelphia. But like, they created that somehow mm-hmm. or another with their intentions, with their broadcast, with what they put out in their broadcast. Right. And I did not plan on this in any way, shape, or form. This is just something that's happened. All of it, the the amount of positivity that's come out of it, the attitude of the people, the, this this idea mm. of embracing health and 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 good thinking and being kind to people, being of paramount importance, like one of the most important things in your life. Not get your shit together, not you be the fucking man, not you be successful. No, number one most important thing is to be nice. It's like the most important thing: be kind. Until mm. you can't be kind, until you got to tell people to shut the fuck up. Come on, you're killing me. You know, it's like, it's be kind until you hit that point. And be and kind to yourself, too. Fuck yeah. And also, be willing to do that same shit to yourself. Yeah. Be willing to be, like, super objective, to, super self-analytical. 
and be, just just try to get through this and realize that if five people can do it, five million can do it. It's that simple. Like I always say, like this room. Here's a perfect example. This is I, it's, I've beaten it to death, but it's a good one. If we were the only people on the planet, if it was just us and we existed on this weird island and everywhere else. Like, look, guys, we got a lot of food here. We're fine. I mean, this is a, a vibrant ecosystem. There's no predators. We can live here. We're going to be okay. Like, we'd we'd both okay. end up fucking Duncan, you know, we'd sooner probably, or later. This weird sex shit would happen. <laughs> but get that out of the way. It's so He's funny. got the beard, right? Yeah, we could double team. All I'm thinking is like, where are the girls? <laughs> <laughs> we have to find girls. I know. As soon as he said, like, us guys on an island, I'm thinking, the point maybe is, not. The we, us, us friends, if we were in any place where we were forced to be together, we would ultimately figure out a way to work it out. Yeah. It would yes. suck if there weren't girls. You're right. But ultimately, there would be no war is what my point is. There would be, mm. there wouldn't be a war, you know. You and I have, ne- we've e- the, even the minor disagreements that we have ever had ever in our ten plus year friendship, they've been cured up with a couple sentences back and forth yes. instantly. Yes, and always super cool, and always on like, you know, I would never say anything on purpose to hurt your feelings. Yes, that's not what a friend does ever. Right. Well, if we lived on an island together, it'd be the same thing. You know, I, I wouldn't all of a sudden be like, what, you know, what the fuck, Duncan? Are you you got to stop smoking weed or I'm going to put you in my canoe cage. You know, <laughs> I've made a cage in this fucking canoe and I'm going to wrap you up in there. You're not Jeez. following my fucking rules. Not the cage again. Or I would say, you know, I need all the fucking mangoes, bitch. Yeah. I got a gun. You guys don't have any guns left. I got. I need the fucking mangoes. I want the mangoes. I'm tired of eating my mangoes. And that, you know, I mean, you know, you know what you're happens. talking about it, it has happened. Uh, in the, large scale, uh, six or seven. Kids. Lord of the Flies. It's a Lord of the Flies situation. <laughs> that that and that's how it was framed in the article. Because the Lord of the Flies, of course, for people who don't know it, is this book about kids who get stranded on an island somewhere, and it turns into this really nasty Hobbesian, you know, dominating society. Some kids they, they break the kids' glasses, yeah. and it's all bullying and Piggy. shit. Piggy, Piggy, right? But Didn't but they what? Fuck him. Or was that Deliverance? That's Lord that was of Deliverance. The Flies, too. Yeah. They fucked him in Lord of the Flies, too? <laughs> yeah. Burt Reynolds yeah. fucked him in Deliverance. Burt Reynolds but... fucked a kid? <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. No, right? A blind kid. Oh, it's even dude. worse. A kid with can't find uh, his glasses. But no, these kids actually did get stranded on an island somewhere. I don't remember the, the basis of the story, but it was a historical event. And they cooperated, took care of each other, and survived months, mm. you know? And there, there wasn't any of that nastiness. This whole Hobbesian idea, we were talking earlier about the dominant paradigm and the bullshit that, you know, network TV was putting out for so long that's now getting subverted by the internet and by, you know, all these different channels of information. The, for me, one of the most pernicious ones is this idea of human nature being nasty mm. in its essence. The Hobbesian view of... So I take it you're not a fan of The Walking Dead. No, I just find it boring. I, I watched the first season or something, and then it was like, okay, right, the heads blow up. And well, it's whatever, also right? the classic scenario of the people wind up being their worst enemies. Right. Not the, the zombies seem pretty easy to deal with after, after a while because right. people that become the real issue, including you know the men who want to choose the alpha. It's always like, yeah. Well, see, the the, the notion that we even have an alpha mm. is is more complicated than it seems. You know, we're not w- humans. Never organize themselves into wolf packs. That's not the way we live. <laughs> you know, wow. never did live that way. Wolf packs. <laughs> you never see me and my boys when we go out, Chris Ryan. We are like a wolf pack. We howl at the moon together. We slap our chest three times. Oh, <laughs> all in synchronous. Oh God, we have. 
Wolfpack jackets. It says Wolfpack in like <laughs> tattered jean letters over leather. Yeah, we're the Wolfpack. Uh, you know, but that's what they call us. They call us the Wolfpack because you're basically all basically like lone wolves gathered together. <laughs> lone wolves <laughs> gathered together. A group of lone wolves. <laughs> <laughs> out of respect for each other. I mean, yeah. humans do gang up. Well, they, you know what? We have to ultimately yeah. realize that there's we 100% need each other. It's one of the most important things. We also 100% need the people. If you want to truly be happy, you need the people around you to like you. Yes. And you need right. to have them. They have to have a reason to like you. Like you have to be giving out as much as you're you're taking away or more. Right. And if and, that and, doesn't yeah. And see this that what you just said is at the basis of what I think is one of the greatest misunderstandings in human evolutionary theory, which is, you know, they use game theory to try to work out how our ancestors lived and one of the assumptions is the freeloader assumption, which is that you know, you can't possibly, our ancestors couldn't possibly have lived in a sharing kind of environment economically because some people would just take and take and take and not give anything back, right? And so that's a base assumption. So then from that, they justify capitalism and dog-eat-dog mm -hmm. economics, right? Yeah. And they say, well, it must have been that way. But the fact is, shame is a hugely motivating force. And as you just said, we are designed by nature to really care whether the people around us love us or not. Mm. And if they don't, it freaks us out. So people work always to give back to the group, right? Because if you're not giving back to the group, if you, worst case scenario, you get banished by the group, you're dead. Right. This is why they say that the part of your brain that experiences rejection is in a different part it, of the brain. It hurts right? worse than anything. Yeah. Mm, it does, too. And it's why kids are so cruel with each other when they reject each other when they're right. at play. We're not playing with you anymore. Yeah. Like they're Ooh, they're yeah. exercising that little muscle, figuring out, like, ooh, look, I can get someone to dance. You know, I you, can you know, man, mean I, shit to them. This is like the thing at this retreat that they talked about that I really love, man. Is, is, is it's, So you're saying be kind to other people. Well, the question is, how can you be authentically kind to the people around you? And the simple, simple answer is you have to love yourself first. You can't reject yourself. You can't be the rejecting force because a lot of times your personality is a personality constructed by people who rejected you from the moment you started talking, your parents. It's not even you. So you're rejecting yourself. The first thing is start loving yourself. Embrace yourself right now. That's going to make a big change. And Because like, if you want to really change somebody, love them. Love a person. Get around a person. Unless they're super annoying. Just avoid them. Well, yeah. But don't, even don't then. Don't love everybody. You can't fix the world. But I'm, I'm just saying, no, yeah. no, but here's, you know, you're right. Certain people are, of course. But in general, if you want to watch somebody change, get around them and just like them. Just beam love at them and watch how they act. Because here's one thing that is certain. Being mean to people does not make people better. Because if it did, we would live on a planet of cool <laughs> motherfuckers. This planet would be that's filled true. with the sweetest people ever because we're all so cruel to each other. Right. It doesn't work. Wow, that's very simplistic. And here's it why. Is. Here's why it is. Because it's not that everybody's all so mean to each other. It's just that when we are mean to each other, it hurts so bad. If you stop and think about your interactions with people on a daily basis, there's very few mean ones. I went to the mall today, and I wandered through a couple of stores, and I met a bunch of people that said hi. I met a bunch of people that were at the fucking coffee bean stand. Yeah. They said hi. I met a guy in the parking lot. He said hi. There was very little negative interaction. You know what I'm saying? Like, But when, when it happens... 
it's terrible. It's just the real problem is when we look at life today, and it's a huge issue with our view of the world, is based on seven fucking billion people. And that's madness. You can't have the information, the fears, the, 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 the tragedies, the events of 7 billion people yeah. inside your fucking head. Mm. You, you can't process that. It's too goddamn big. Why don't you just think about the infinite amount of living beings in the universe itself? Why not consider all the fucking mold spores that are probably going to die mm. when someone sprays Lysol on them? Let's go fucking hog wild and worry about everything. You can't. You're, you can't. If you want to get through your 24-hour time period, you know, only of which you're awake 16, you got to fucking prioritize. And if mm. you don't fucking prioritize, you're not going to have time to enjoy this experience. You're not going to have time to take it in. You'll be caught up in the wave of, of, of momentum of other people's ideas, and you'll never be able to catch yourself. But rejecting someone takes energy. And, and if I understand what Duncan's or saying. Or just call Verizon and change your number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that takes energy too. I don't. I don't know how long you've been on hold Psych. with Verizon, but uh, you know what you were describing is you know it's a psychotherapeutic thing where where you're no matter who's sitting across the table from you, you have to accept them. If you're not accepting them, you're never going to be able to help them. Right. You know, doesn't mean you have to like them. Doesn't mean you have to not be annoyed by them, but it means you'll respect them. You respect like whatever it is that's annoying about them is. Something that's resonating in you. Yes. So that Carl Jung said, like every that's person it. who irritates you is an opportunity to learn something about yourself. That's it. Because the re- you know that person is annoying mm-hmm. to you in a special sort of way. Oftentimes, you know. And so yeah. there's something about you that's interesting. You're terrified of seeing that those qualities. And, in yourself. and the implication of what you're saying is, if you embrace those qualities in yourself that you can't even accept so you're casting them into the world then all of a sudden those people who are so annoying to you stop being as annoying because you're not seeing the part of yourself you hate reflected on the screen of them possibly and also possibly they feel accepted so they don't need to keep doing that bullshit to you it's an experiment you can do an experiment and here's a great experiment because probably for your entire life when you get around douchebags you either aggressively attack them passive aggressively attack them or try to get out of their presence so do a little experiment the next time you get around a real douche somebody who's <laughs> who's who's like really fucking annoying and the douche temperature is starting to turn up you don't have to stay there forever but look at them and look at their face and you'll see lines in their face and if you look at those lines you'll realize this douchebag has suffered just like you have suffered this douchebag has is has suffered so much that they've created a massive defense mechanism called their personality, which makes everyone think they're a douchebag. The world they wander through is a world of faces looking at them with either like uh, anxiety, sadness, a sense of claustrophobia, not wanting to be in their presence anymore. They're forty or fifty. It's not working. That uh, the the reaction the world is giving them is only making them more and more and more of a douchebag. So this is. Compassion. You recognize that this person has suffered. You don't have to stay in this way forever. I tried it the other night at a bar with somebody. <laughs> it, it, Passive hipster it, Buddhism it, by Duncan Trussell. It, it lasted. It lasted. I was able to do it for like because this is like a guy I would never, ever, ever be around. Somebody brought him. He's like this, like just lunky, weird dude, and he's like being a just a 
pure defense mechanism dick. I've just gotten back from this meditation retreat. So I'm like, all right, okay, I don't care. I'm going to see you. I'm going to find something in this person that I can love, that I can connect to. That I, I know that this person has is, is, is gotten this way because, you know, who knows what. Yeah. So I open myself up a, much more than I usually do in those situations. I didn't go take a leak or I didn't just go to some other part of the bar. And he's, you know what he starts doing, man? He starts like after this like whole like weird dicky like alpha male thing, all of a sudden he starts pulling out his phone and he's like showing me pictures of his of his of his kids. And it's like not an annoying thing. He's like you, his face is now lighting up and he loves his kids and he's just all of a sudden there's just this one moment where the douchebag is falling away and there's a sweet person who loves his kids. Dude, you should write Christmas movies. Well, I, I just yeah, it's 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 a, it's a, it's an observer. Of, you know the observer effect in quantum mm, physics, where sure. they say the observation affects the thing itself. Yeah. In that same way, like if you're if you if just you just start experimenting a little bit with shining compassion out into the world, then you might get things bouncing back that aren't these douchebags that you're so used to encountering. And you don't have to trick yourself into thinking like, I'm going to be fucking Gandhi or Ram Dass or I'm always going to be in this state. Just try to maintain the state for a minute. Then go back to being a dick. <laughs> you know, maintain the state for two minutes. And if you can't do it, then start punishing the person or being weird or like talking shit to him or talking shit about him. But just for... Try two minutes and see what happens. The effects are going to really amaze you, especially if your entire life you've only been dealing with people in a shitty way. I've had to revise my whole cut the vampire out of your life thing, man. I'm not sure if that's the right way to do it. I think it's love the vampire in your heart. I've got to revise it. The problem is there's not enough time. And you know the real problem? The number one real problem is how the fuck did they get that way in the first place? And that's people are being raised by shitheads. Mm. So they're imprinting, they're they're copying the behavior of failure. It's, it's like Duncan said. It, you know, there's there's a deep rejection at the heart of somebody like that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm reminded of some some people, I, some women I know who uh, were sexually abused and then immediately put on a lot of weight right after. Mm. Right? It's protection. Right? It's, it's protection, like it, and yeah. it, and it's also remove me from that whole dynamic with men. I got hurt in that, remove me from it. Yeah, Make yeah. me unattractive yeah. to them, right? So a guy who's being a dick, he's being a dick in a way because he can't stand to... To, to be rejected by you. So yes. he has to be never accepted, right? And just like negate the whole, the whole issue. It's no fun, man. When you start, when you, compassion, if you're, if you get a kick out of like rejecting people or if you get a kick out of like creating a us and them paradigm, it really is a, 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 a it's a problem because suddenly when you like realize like, shit, man, this guy's just like me. You know, he's, if I had been in his situation, I might have even been more of a dick than he is. Who knows? You just don't well, know. And it's cooked into our society. This is the thing. I mean, I, I, I think you guys both probably agree with this. I think that we live in a deeply pathological society. And a healthy person in the society is by definition going to seem really strange, you know, because they're not, they're not in sync with the society. Mm. Have you heard of the continuum concept? No. It's a, it's a book written by a woman who found herself pretty randomly living with a more or less Stone Age tribe in Venezuela. And she observed the way they raised children. And she wrote this book. And her, and her thesis, this was in the late 60s, early 70s. And the thesis is essentially like when a baby's born in this society, that baby is in physical contact with his mother or another adult basically constantly until he or she doesn't want to be anymore and is off running around with their friends, right? There's, whereas in our society, up until the 50s, doctors were telling parents not to touch their infants, 
Put the oh. infant in the crib, no matter how much it cries, do not touch it. By caressing your child, you create pathology. You create sickness and illness and weakness. This was until the 1950s. Good God. Right? Lots of, lots of kids died. It was called hospitalism. Because the problem is you had on the one side this sort of macho male asshole attitude dominating medicine, no woman doctors, and the nurses' opinions didn't count for anything because the men knew best. And on the other hand, you had the germ theory, I'm talking early 20th century now, where it was, it was understood that contagion was a big problem. So they started putting newborn infants in these uh, incubators, these isolation tanks, and they weren't allowing the mothers to even pick them up and touch them because they, they had no way of testing for germs. They just knew, you know, germs were somewhere. So all these kids are dying. And the, and the nurses are saying, well, of course, they're, you got to pick them up. They're crying. Look, you know, the women are oh resonating. And the doctors are saying, no, you can't touch them. No, 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 no touching, no touching. And they were like 20, 25% death rate oh. in, uh, in the most modern American hospitals. That is from insane. That. That's yeah. fucking nuts. We're so weird. It's, it's really fucked up. And, it's so and weird that like, someone would be so confident to avoid the natural instincts. Yeah, well, yeah. we override them all the time, right? Masturbation will kill you. It'll make you blind. It'll make you it crazy. Will, it, will, it will kill you. Yeah, well, it will make you if fun. you do it wrong. Yeah, yeah. don't, don't jerk off into your doing. eyes. Or don't jerk off while you're, you're <laughs> driving. <laughs> Come in your eyes and then crash into a tree. Yeah, it's which is which is right up there on you know saunaing yourself to death or as far as stupid does. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Texting while driving, you go off a cliff. Yeah. There was a guy, I think it was like Paris Hilton's veteran or uh, a plastic surgeon or something like that, like some famous plastic surgeon, and he he tweeted uh, a second before he fell off the side of a fucking cliff. <sighs> I read a thing, I just retweeted a thing a few days ago, a, a, some some like computer designer or some, somebody who was working in the office tweeted, uh, yes. I've been on the job 30 hours feeling yes. great, and then he died? Yes. Yeah. Like at his a, desk? I, yes. Wasn't, wasn't it a she? No, you're uh, talking about a woman who went to Africa. Oh, was it a woman? No, no, this is another one I think you're thinking of that's just going on right now. She went to Africa. She was a PR woman. Oh, and, no, that's, yeah. That She just landed, and, and it got picked up. Cause, well, she did what it before. What did she say? Oh, she the, the AIDS into, joke. Yeah. She goes, well, off to South Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. In right. capital letters. That's exactly what it was. Why would you do? Why would you say She was probably on Xanax. She probably had a glass of wine. <laughs> Didn't know what the fuck she was doing. Woke up to a national controversy. Oh, she had to apologize. Her father said he was ashamed of her. Some guy yeah. went to the airport to meet her and took some pictures and then interviewed her father while they yeah. were waiting, I guess. And yeah. the father was like, I can't believe she said that. He's South African. Speaking of oh, weird stuff, what about the Steve Martin thing? Do you what hear about it? this? What? What? Oh, yeah. What? He tweeted, somebody wrote, like, he was doing a back and forth with some of his followers on uh, Twitter, and somebody wrote, uh, L, like, lasagna, L-A-S-A-N-Y-A or something like that. Is that uh -huh. how you spell lasagna? And he wrote, well, it depends if you're going to an African-American restaurant or an Italian restaurant. And people got really offended by that. Yeah, but he deleted the tweet, but and then someone caught a screenshot of the He apologized and deleted apologized. it, yeah. What is wrong with that? That's well, not... Nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what's offensive about saying there's a black American vernacular that sounds different than, you know, like, how is that insulting to anybody? Well, I had this conversation with someone where I was talking about, you know how you can listen to someone talk on the phone and know if they're black. And she was like, no, no, I don't know. I go, bullshit. You do know. I go, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with being black, but you can tell 
when you're talking to a lot of people on the phone, you can tell if the guy's black. Well, you, it's not but, a bad thing. Well, th- let me – all right. I would argue that there are some people yes. who you can hear and know they're black. Very common. But that doesn't mean that you can listen to anyone and know they're black. There are a lot of black people who would you wouldn't be able to tell. Well, of course not. I, right? There's See, a lot of white people that can sound it's the way like they're it's black phrased. as well if yeah, they decide to. exactly. But there is that quality that right. does exist. Of course. But there's nothing wrong with it. Like the idea that that but she was she was looking at it like she wouldn't touch it for the ten foot pole because it was politically incorrect and it was a dangerous thing to discuss. I'm like, why? Why is it dangerous to say that black people oftentimes have a different way of talking? It doesn't. Right. It's not. No one's saying bad or worse. Yeah. It's like saying that people that are from the the West Coast don't have a different way of talking than people that live in Minnesota or than people that live in New York. Of course they it's do. A dialect. Of course they do. It's not bad or or it's there's it like super intelligent people. Like Feynman had a very pronounced New York accent, right? Didn't he? And he was Jewish. Yeah, imagine very that pronounced Jewish New York accent, and he was one of the most brilliant physicists ever. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't no, mean anything. But that's the thing in America now. Anything around yep. around sex, you and I talked about this last time, or or race is is so explosive. It, and here's a comedian, Steve Martin. Come on, he's been in the trenches forever. Why is he retracting that? Why right. is he apologizing? He's a pussy and he's gonna die soon. Ah. And he's scared because he's old. <laughs> that's my new song. Well, he's a good guy. I mean, that's yeah. really what it is. He's a nice guy and he doesn't want anybody's feelings to be Yeah, right. he was afraid so, to offend them. But I mean, when people are offended over you breathing, fuck them. You're right, but he's not a. I don't think he's a, a confrontational guy yeah. at all. No. I, he's an interesting cat. Not. Steve Martin is a fascinating dude because, first yeah. of all, he was unbelievably hilarious and unbelievably innovative when he first came out. I mean, he was a unique cat. This whole thing was very unique. He was like his act was very unique. It was really funny and silly and slapsticky, but He's a unique guy in the fact that he got hugely successful and then didn't like the fact that people would laugh about anything that he did. And he didn't feel like he had this real honest connection with them anymore and like pulled away from comedy. Couldn't couldn't do comedy in clubs mm. anymore. I, it's I like the Beatles st- stopped touring because nobody could. They were screaming so loud they couldn't hear the music. <laughs> I know? went I went to this talk uh, with Steve wow. Martin and Steve Martin was there with an author. And because you're saying he's not confrontational. This was like six years ago. He's there. Steve Martin's there with this author. It's he's clearly a big fan of this author. And somebody in the audience, the audience is getting to ask questions. And some asshole says, I have a question for the guy who isn't Steve Martin. And Steve Martin, I can't remember exactly what he said to this guy, but it was a brutal evisceration of this guy for being an, a disrespectful asshole. Like, you saw the color just rush out of the guy's face. What did face. the guy do? What was the... Because um, he's, he's just being rude. It's like just... By saying the guy who's not Steve Like, you're Martin, not Steve Martin, we don't care who you are. Yeah, right. it was just rude. It was just like, you didn't need to... So he did it to defend his friend. Yeah, and it was hmm. brutal. And then you hmm. still see, that guy's still a comic, man, because that, it was like, <laughs> you know, like, he hasn't stopped being a comic. He just... It, that thing, that edge that's inside comics that'll come out is definitely inside of him. He's I, a brilliant guy. Yeah. You, you read his autobiography? Yeah, it's yeah. Really, yeah, it's really good. He's an interesting dude. He reads it. Uh, if you go to audible dot com, you can you can get it. He actually reads it. Yeah, it's he's a you know he's a, a brilliant guy and a great movie comedian. I mean, you go back to the jerk. That is a masterpiece. Yeah, that's a ma- it still holds up. I was born a poor black child. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he apologizing was, for that, he right? Was well, he was a young man then. It's yeah. a different. I th- I'm sure now he's just like he's also know, got great books of like short comedy essays that are yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he's a unique talent. Steve Martin's a very unique talent. Although I never bought him as a mob guy. That the one where he played an Italian guy and they've given the crazy hair. 
Remember mm-hmm. that? I don't remember that. He played like a, a mob guy in the witness protection program and moves into this. Uh, straight or comedy? Comedy. Uh-huh. Comedy. I mean, when was the last time he did a straight movie? Is he, does, does he do a lot of straight movies now? He did, um, yeah, he did, didn't he do, like, he did, he's done some serious movies. I think so. Yeah, was I, he, like, in a Woody Allen movie playing a straight character? That's always when a stand-up comedian branches, spreads their wings, they do a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, well, yeah. like, Louis C.K. <laughs> just did one, right? Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay. And Andrew Clay. Dice Clay was in the same thing. There yeah. was an article online about Andrew Dice Clay deserving an Oscar. For that role? Yeah. Wow, it was really good. I just saw that on the plane. I I liked it, but I, I didn't see a lot of drama there. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't playing, like... <laughs> An autistic person. Or... I just thought it was very authentic. I thought it was uh, yeah. it really worked. You know, he's a good actor. It's and it's surprising. Yeah, he is. And Woody Allen, you know, recognized that. Hey, have you seen that preview for that werewolf movie coming out? Of course, I'm sure you have. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? It's nonsense. It's one movie, Duncan. It's an American werewolf in London. It's a goddamn perfect movie. Dude, you're preaching to the choir. Everything here. since then sucks a fat one. But isn't that, so that the one times. where he takes acid and he turns into a werewolf? Which the, I resented the that as an acid head at the time. The preview or uh, that's or William the, Hurt. No, no, I'm talking about American Werewolf in London. Hell no, he got chomped. He no, you're he, thinking of uh, Altered, Altered States. States. Oh, that's right. He Altered into a States. You fucked that premise and up so into, bad. He turned oh, into a yeah. monkey. He turned into some sort of monkey from taking acid. Yeah. yeah. Well, he got I, into I the sensory deprivation that. tank. That was based on living. That's right. That's that, right. That, the whole that's idea of Altered States. It. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I, I thought it was great at the time, and it was important to me because it got me into isolation tanks. Mm. But... It's terrible if you try to watch it now. But the best part is the schizophrenic on acid saying, I feel like my heart is being touched by Christ. <laughs> Remember that? That was a great line in that movie. I can't, I'm looking for new world. I just saw movie. The River's Edge. Have you seen that? What's I, that? Quint, uh, Crispin Glover? You oh, never see, it, Christ. I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, it's a really strange movie. That guy's too much for Very me. Very funny. He's like Duncan if he went completely off the deep end and became a meth head. <laughs> then I need to start doing meth. I fucking love Crispin Glover. Yeah. That's awesome. But he's so crazy. Like in his movies, he's so good yeah. at what he does. You know who else is really good? I can't remember the cat's name. Why am I? Everyone's a cat today. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was uh, one of the bad guys in the X-Files. He's that one weird dude that you never know his name, but when he's in a, on a movie, you're like, oh, this guy's awesome. He yeah, does. there there are several people like that. The, who's that old dude? Creepy old, <laughs> old dude. Creepy old dude. <laughs> referring old to him all as dude. <laughs> I don't know what this werewolf movie is, man. I can't find any uh, things online. Have you seen the trailer for Transcendence? Yeah, the trailer for Transcendence looks really interesting. Have you seen that? That's the that's the what the new Johnny Matrix. Depp. Well, it's essentially um, the idea of the the full Ray Kurzweil vision being. Realized with one guy being Johnny Depp playing the Kurzweil character oh. gets killed by somebody, but as he's dying, they download his consciousness into a computer. Yeah, play it. That's it's pretty intense. Awesome. Doctor Will Castor. How hot is she? Jesus Christ! Requires us to unlock the most fundamental secrets of the universe. Imagine a machine with a full range of human emotion and tits. Its analytical power will be greater than the collective intelligence of every person in the history of the world. Some scientists refer to this as the singularity. Professor? I call it transcendence. 
of attacks conducted by a radical anti-tech group known as Rift. They AI labs all over the country. We lost decades of research and development. It's radiation poisoning. The bullet must have been laced with it. The effect is irreversible. Will's body is dying, but his mind is a pattern of electrical signals. We can upload his consciousness. We can save him. Not like this. Assuming that this works, if we missed anything, a thought, a childhood memory, how will you know who you're dealing with? Well, my God. I can't feel anything. I'm here. You need to get me online. I need more power. It may be intelligent, it may even be sentient. This is not well. Shut it down. Shut it down. down? It's him! Your friends crossed the line. They don't know the danger. This is astounding. So how do we fight it? You can't. An AI is like any intelligence. It has needs. The real will die. It'll start to evolve. Where's the machine? To influence. Perhaps the entire world. Where are you going? That they could fuck that up. Yeah. That that could be one of those movies where yeah. you're like, oh, okay, fuckheads. It already looks fucked up, man. <laughs> Am I wrong, or does it seem like they told the whole story in the they trailer? Told, that's what they that's do now. They do. That's what really? they do. Yeah, we just did a spoiler alert. I, I just show me Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence. I just want to watch her. She's so pretty. Do you so think pretty. she listens to your podcast? I hope she does. God, I, love I love her. her. The American Hustle movie? <laughs> she looks fantastic in that movie. You're, you're reaching out to Jennifer Lawrence through Joe Rogan's podcast. I think it'll yeah. work. I feel it happening. Jennifer. Really? You Jennifer. think I have a shot with Jennifer I think you Lawrence? have a very good shot I now. Think, I think she should call me to set up the date, though. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm sure she's a fan of your work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be an interesting pairing with her. Mm. You know this... Do you know what I'm talking about? Her, the movie, the new movie yes. about the guy who falls yeah. in love with the computer program? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which Duncan is living even as we speak. What I do mean, you mean, Duncan is entering the Oculus Rift looking for a girlfriend, right? No. Is that what you're doing in there? I can't be, I, can't, I put that thing on for two minutes. I want to vomit it. <laughs> I get, I, you get nausea. All my utopian ideas about the Oculus oh, Rift really? are destroyed by Haven't the, they oh. uh, corrected that well, though? Well, they say the new ones, there's this There's this thing, uh, it's like latency. If there's, there's a 15 millisecond latency or there's some kind of latency between when you move your head and when it, it registers that you've moved your head and it's in milliseconds and un, under a certain amount apparently you don't get motion sickness but where my oculus rift is at right now like if i have a drunk friend over and they put on the rift they just turn green and want to puke it's it doesn't work so so police could use it as a as an alcohol test yeah, you could bulimics could use it if you if you're sick of using your finger to vomit, just put on the <laughs> Oculus Rift and run around Half Life for six minutes. You'll spew. Dimension Films is reproducing American Werewolf in London. They're going to reboot it. Have the uh, same story. I hope it's good, man. I hope so too. Leave it alone. Well, I just hope they don't go CGI and fuck it up. They will. They they re- when 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 do remakes like that work? I'm sure there's some, but I It's I, possible. They worked with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Remember when they remade Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, I didn't want to. I wanted it. to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the uh second Invasion of the Body Snatchers last night, the Donald Sutherland one. 
That's the second one, I believe. Yeah, that's good. There's one from, is that true? Am I correct? Yeah, there's yes. a black and white there's one. There's an old black and white one. That's yeah. right. You know how I know it's true? Because I watched it, actually. And it was really fat. Now that I remember, okay, because I've seen three of them. There's a Jennifer Tilly one, too, or Meg Tilly. There's a Meg Tilly one later. But the, uh, the original one is really fascinating because it's like a lot like the Twilight Zone movie mm. in that it's a time capsule. Like it would not work today. It would be a terrible piece of shit that you wouldn't believe that they could actually make. Mm. But when you watch it in the context of it being from like 1951 or whatever the fuck it was, it's really interesting. Oh, cool. Well, really ideas, I mean, even if the effects are bullshit, the ideas are timeless. Yes. I mean, that, like old Star Trek episodes or, or Twilight right. Zone. Some of those ideas were just amazing. Yeah. Well, they ran out of them, though. They used them all up on those fucking, you know, all those uh, Hitchcock shows and all those... Uh, those, what are those? What was that one show that they had? That um, fuck. Night Gallery. Well, no, there was there was uh, the Twilight Zone, and then there was one that was like it. God damn it! There was another one that was like it. Love American Style. <laughs> the Love Boat. No, there was the a there was boat. a similar thing to the Twilight Zone, but I can't remember what it is now. I thought it was called Night Gallery. Might have been. Tales from the Crypt. The Outer Limits. The Outer Limits. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, that was it. The Outer Limits was another one. It was very similar along those lines. They, they, those guys burned through so many ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't there shows like that? Is there a show like that? They ran out of ideas. They're there's thinking... no more creepy, freaky ideas. No, there's all kinds of freaky ideas, man. I, yeah, I think they get tired. All this, you know, vampire shit and werewolves and zombies. zombies. Yeah, yeah. The vampires are done. all for girls, too. Have you it's all that? about sex. Vampires got so hot. Yep. They weren't always like that. Look up Nosferatu. Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Love it. That is a vampire. That thing is scary. It's got, like, long, awful fingers that just, just t- it's a terrible being. Now, like, these glitter vampires... <laughs> The sun doesn't even hurt him. It just makes him, like, makes their... Yeah, there's Nosferatu. And by the way, look at his teeth. Very rat-like. Completely different thing. Mm. Yeah. He was, they were like rats that were people that would hypnotize people and suck their blood out. Ever since you told me, you pointed out the fact that in Twilight, this vampire is hundreds <laughs> of years old dating a high school kid. <sighs> it's ridiculous. The idea is ridiculous that he would, first of all, have to keep going to high school. The idea is that he died when he was 17. He's like, he's so creepy. So because he died when he was 17, he's going to be 17 for perpetuity? That's, that's preposterous. That doesn't make any sense. Like, why, why doesn't he just not go to fucking high school for the 100th year in a row? <laughs> he just keeps going to high school. Nobody notices the fact that this guy is just fucking hopping around the country, going to high school after high school, showing in as the weird loner that with happens, the white skin. But that does happen, man. There's that. You heard the story about the guy who like would pose as a fourth grader. Did you ever hear that? Oh, my God. He's like some kind of like a little person or he's got some kind of aging thing and he would enroll himself in elementary schools. Like there was this guy. He was an adult who was in an oh elementary school for like a God. year. It's oh like, my God. yeah, I can't remember his name, though, but it, sh- it was like he was in- so he would just pretend to be a kid. You know, as as an adult, it's fucked up. Well, when I was in New York, there was a girl who was on the Arsenio Hall show, okay? And she was a stand-up comic. And we all knew her as this young teenage girl from the East Village. And she was like 14 or 15 years old. And she was going up and doing stand-up. And she was funny, man. She was funny like an adult. And it was weird. It was weird watching because... As far as, like, stand-up comics go, it wasn't, like, going to see Duncan or Joey Diaz or Ari. It wasn't, like, high-level stand-up comedy. But it was, like, impressive for a 15-year-old. So she goes on the Arsenio Hall show, and the fucking phones line up. 
And they're like, I went to high school with this bitch. She's fucking 30. Like, she's not in high school. She's not 14. The fuck out of She graduated in 1986. And people start going crazy and, and calling in. And, you know, hilarious. What a and great so she gets story. exposed. She gets exposed. Barry Katz client, by the way. When she knew she'd get exposed. Um, I don't think she did. I don't think she did. I think she thought she would get away with it. On it, TV? I, like, I don't know if she changed her name. I don't know what she did. Oh, but she went up there. What a and great like, story, though. Yeah. I mean, what a movie, you she know? She's like 30. I think, she, she had a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> I think shit like that's going to start happening more and more with the age regression therapies they're going to have. I think there's going to be like this. Did you hear about that? The thing that keeps popping up about the mice? Yeah. Did you hear about this? And they're going to start human trials in a year? What? What? It's some kind of, they figured out some way to reverse, apparently reverse the aging process in mice. They want to start human trials in a year. I, I love being around a scientist because his bull. I know your bullshit. It's like you're, beeping off yeah, the fucking a, charts. Like, but yeah, apparently, I mean, who apparently. knows? Yeah, where did you read this? <laughs> On the internet. No, I think it's real. I do think it's real. Like, it's an actual I'm study. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. Every you time I hear this shit, possible. I think, you know, Ray Kurzweil is going to die. I'm really sorry. And not because some guy shoots him with a radioactive bullet. Researchers reverse aging process in mice. People could be next. This is in the Huffington Post. This is in a bunch of science, science mm-hmm. journals. It's all over. It's about the mitochondria. And uh, it's about... Um, uh, they've figured out a way. It says the age process we discovered is like a married couple. When they're young, they communicate well, but over time, <laughs> living in close quarters for many years, communication breaks down. Harvard University-based investigator. This is all like legit shit. Mm. Um, as with marriage, the restoring of the lines of communication can nurse back uh, cells to health. The communication breakdown is caused by lower levels of the chemical called NAD, which decreases with age. Prior to the study, the only known ways of slowing the decrease were to have a low-calorie diet and regular exercise. In this study, researchers used a compound that mimics the benefits of diet and exercise on mice. There you go, fella. Yeah, give me a pill. I'll take it. In two-year-old mice, the compound helped reduce insulin resistance and inflammation, making them nearly as healthy as mice that were just six months old. It's something like a 60-year-old being similar to a 20-year-old. Wow. Hey, 20-year-olds, you're about to be fucked because all these old 50-year-olds are going to turn into 20-year-olds yeah. again. Mm-hmm. You have a mattress on a floor. You thought They're, Viagra they have airplanes. was bad. Tw- you know what I mean? You're sleeping on a mattress. You're, you're, de- you're now competing with people who should be dead and are healthy. Well, and- Duncan, why does it have to be competition? Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just work together? Can't this be the ultimate social utopia when there is no age? You got to be ageism. Anymore. You got to be yourself, friend. right? Because think about it the the fifty year old women are going to be like twenty year olds too. Fuck, ready so for dick. it's going to be back in the game, oh. and they're going to have kids. they're going to have all the experience of having had kids and, and having, having lived, divorced, and, and they're not going to be yeah. Well, no, but money and I find women, <laughs> you know, forty five and over are a lot easier to deal with. Yeah, a lot easier. Do you think they're just more realistic, more relaxed? Yeah, I mean, more if they confident, yeah, they're not yeah, like living cool. in that hallmark bullshit world anymore of expecting. They've lowered their to... standards. Is what you're trying to say, Chris Ryan? They're they've got experience. Yeah, <laughs> they lower their standards. They're, they don't expect a lot from you. They're not looking for six pack anymore. They just okay. We just sit down. Can we just watch TV? <laughs> Can we, just, can we just have a drink? We don't have to walk. Let's just sit. Uh, 
I look forward to the future, man. I, that idea, coming, that's son. so exciting to it's see coming. that kind of research start start popping up. Because if that's popping up, that you know there's going to be six more things based on it that are going to pop up, and and it's re- it's a really cool thing. They did say though. Well, how about the, the, sorry, go ahead. They said that the the cost of the treatment, of course, is would be insane. Mm. Of like course, hundreds of thousands of dollars. As was when you bought a cell phone. The first cell phones right. were thousands of dollars, and now right. you can go to Bolivia in the middle of the jungle. People have cell phones. There's also this uh, artificial muscle that they've created that has one thousand times human strength. This is another story that came out today or uh, yesterday, rather. American scientists have developed a robotic muscle 1,000 times more powerful than humans using a revolution, using a revolutionary material that fluidly ch- changes its properties. Hmm, I wonder what that means. The invention gives vanadium dioxide amazing superhero-style powers. Its most striking property is to change shape, <clears throat> shape and structure whenever... Differing amounts of heat are applied to it. We are in for some really freaky shit in the next couple of decades. Things are going to get really, really weird. Because no one saw like this coming right. 10 years but ago. But aren't things always getting really weird? Of course, always have been. The weirdest times ever are always right now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a curmudgeon, but but you guys talking about, you know, reversing the aging process and the super muscle and, you know, this and that. I feel like Mark Twain, you know, when they invented the radio and he's like, oh, great, we still don't have anything to say to each other. You know, it's like... I, the, but do we not, though? Well, 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 no, I mean, I'm talking about in his time. The mm-hmm. point is... It sounds like he had a hangover when he fuck said Mark that. Twain. I feel like we're going in the wrong direction. And so every time there's another carrot dangling out there saying, oh, look, you need eternal life. Oh, look, there's this. Oh, you're going to be a superhero. It's It's like... The casino guy, we're almost out of money, and the casino guy's saying, well, maybe if you just place a few more bets, you know, you'll win it all back. Uh, but again, I, ultimately, I don't think ultimately so. hasn't that always been the case, though? No. Hasn't everybody always thought that the... Have you ever listened to Hunter oh. S. Thompson talking in the yeah. 1970s? This is, it's over. It's almost over. The fucking the great demise where we're, we're skidding into the, to, to the apocalypse. Everybody's felt that well, way. Well, he was right. But was he? Because yeah. we're still here. Look, well, here no, we are. we're here. He's yeah. not. Shit's well. He I shot mean. himself in the head. But shit, shit is always weird. By the way, cut to three years from now. Chris Ryan's going to be twenty-one, <laughs> and I'll shoot myself in the head it's in Colorado. Gonna, oh, it's You're going to be healthy, <laughs> doing yoga every day, yeah. finally banging a twenty-year-old. Yeah, you're giving yeah. up on those forty-five-year-olds that are fucking so needy. Get out of here with your cats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just, yeah. Me. I, I don't know, man. I mean, you can like philosophically break it down as much as possible. If somebody's going to give me a pill, it's going to that's going to. But they're revert. not. That's the thing. They're just going to tell you they will to keep you in the game, keep you what running wait, 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 on the wait, wheel. Game. What are you talking about? Well, what about, I mean... I mean, well, you know, you said, like, everything's always about to end, mm-hmm. right? But on the, alternatively, everything's always about to be great. I mean, in the 30s and 40s, they were saying, oh, what are we going to do with all our leisure time The technology is going to give us? We're going to be working three hours a week and have jetpacks and, you know, have our food grow out of the table just as we're ready to eat it. None of that shit ever happens. Yeah, it never but, happens. Yeah, we're that... working more hours now than we were then. The standard of living, you know, we're talking about Hunter S. Thompson in the 70s. The middle class family now has less money than they had in 1970. Right. But at and least they're not dying of tuberculosis. <laughs> no, they're dying of, of you know insulin resistance. And, you know, the, I'll take that over coughing, like spraying blood into my kerchief and watching everyone around me dying and eaten by rats. My kerchief. Powdered wigs are coming you, You're back. really making a big uh, big leap because I don't think it's, uh, it's that black and white. I don't, I don't think that it really is worse. 
I don't think that it, I think it's gotten way better. I think for sure, yeah, quality of life is still there's just too many people, a finite amount of resources corrupt economy, beyond corrupt government, all those... Exa- no good games for Xbox But what one. about all the stuff that we said earlier? What about all the stuff we said about communication, about the access to information being right. different than it's ever been before? I think, if anything, it's more rosy today, the, the view of society and the potential for the future, more rosy today than it's ever been before. See, this... This, whole, this, this Syria thing is a perfect example. Right. This is the first time, in my recollection... My recollection that the the United States people, the populace, stood up when there was a proposed military action and said, "Fuck that!" Yeah, like a giant percentage of the population was so alarmed that these knuckleheads we were in, they were like, "Hey guys, this is like revolution type shit." Like, if you go through with this, this is you're at the door of a revolution, and here's the best way to keep this revolution from happening: keep them calm. And the best way to keep them calm is to not go into another war right now. You guys yeah. are running two shell games right now. You're sucking minerals out of Afghanistan. You're sucking oil out of Iraq. How about everybody just back the fuck off and stop trying to invade everything yeah. all at once? And they did. And that was but that's see, you never see that as before. a sign of progress. Yes. I see that as a sign of like so much blood has already been lost. The body can't bleed anymore. Someone's a half full e- guy. Exhaustion. <laughs> the Someone... con- the country's exhausted, broke, mm-hmm. and people are saying. You know, we can't do anymore. We got the National Guard doing seven tours in Iraq. You know, the National Guard never went anywhere overseas until Bush, you know. Mm -hmm. And now we've accepted that as normal. We've got higher percentage of people in prisons than any country in the world than this country ever has before. No doubt. doubt. You know, it's like I, I think going back to my friend that I was talking about earlier in Africa, it might be a wash. It might be that, yeah, the internet's really cool and that's sort of, But on the other hand, the prison industrial complexes, you know, and yeah, it might be cool that we didn't get into Syria. But on the other hand, we're blowing up wedding parties in Yemen from the mm-hmm. sky and nobody gives a shit because nobody's dying on our side. And you know what I mean? It's like maybe it's a wash. But when people start telling me utopia is right around the corner, my bullshit detectors well, start blinking really brightly. I don't, I don't necessarily think utopia, think utopia but uh, eternal for sure, life, uh, you know, super muscles, whatever. Oh, it's it's common. a sales pitch. Oh, I don't agree. For I think something that isn't going to pay off. But the, I don't agree because I, I, I think if you just look at what we have, I mean, we already have superpowers. We have a goddamn phone that you can talk to and it answers any Right, but you are want. people happier? Are people really happier now Some than they were 50 years ago? Some are. Some are happier. Some but are. I, I don't think you could ever say that. Are people happier? Because if you're just going to generalize about just people overall, well, what kind of people are we talking about? We're well, that's the thing. You have to take Africa. an aggregate. We're talking about people in America. That's exactly right. We're talking about right. people in nice neighborhoods. We're talking about people in poverty. Like, and isn't progress. About- but if we're talking about progress mm-hmm. for the human race or human species, then we are talking about all people. We've got to be talking about the aggregate, right? Jesus Christ. Uh, isn't that what progress would be? Well, we don't have any. I mean, you have influence on your, your immediate environment. You have influence on the people that you're allowed to reach outside your immediate environment with technology. But once you start talking about the entire world... If we're really responsible for that, well, then all societies have to break down and we have to start from scratch. Well, I'm not saying we're responsible. I'm just saying that when people start talking about how things are getting better, Mm -hmm. I think you need to – what we need to do is understand – define our terms. Well, what do you mean by better, A? And secondly, what do you mean by for us? I'll tell you better. I'll tell you better. Here's better for me. I can go on audible.com, download an audio book of Jack Cornfield talking about like describing Buddhism in this super simple way that I've never heard that like oh, wakes me up to this idea of like shit, man. I get it. I've got to like if I don't love myself or and like if I don't figure out a way to 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 really embrace myself, I'm going to be a miserable, I'm going to be kind of unhappy. I'm going to be unhappy for maybe the rest of my life. So are things 
are getting better because we have access to information that can improve our internal uh, states. And then once you're happy, all the innovation can be enjoyed. But if you're if you if you if so I'm saying that the access to information now is so much greater than it ever was that if somebody really wants to plug in and transform themselves, they can. And that's better. That's better. But the, another point is in Buddhism, there's an idea of something called fundamental dissatisfaction, which comes from being a human being. And it doesn't matter what time you, you were born into. It doesn't matter where you were born or if you're born in a futuristic society where uh, you never will age and flying android blowjob machines come down the moment they detect any type of horniness from your uh, neural patterns and and make you come you're still if you don't deal with your internal if you don't deal with the, the the basic fundamental problem of being a human being the idea that life is suffering if you don't deal with your attachment to uh to 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 your ego and your identity you're going to suffer no matter what and that doesn't change that's just part of being a human being so I, I mean, I just think it's a more interesting time. Better lotions, more interesting. Better lube. lotions. Better lube. Yeah. <laughs> Cars go faster. Zero to sixty times are down. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think the potential for expansion is monstrous, and I think that the the potential for uh, information to get to you, the the possibilities of it getting to you, are greater than it's ever been before. The the access to to knowledge is insane. Putting it all together and making a package as a happy human being is always a difficult pursuit. Always and, has and been, also, always will be, and even more complicated now yeah. because there's an increased amount of variables and a staggeringly increased amount of variables. And you can only, I mean, there are two things. There's a bottleneck. Like you say, there's more information than ever before, and I completely agree with that, but your brain still has to process it, and it can only go a certain speed. Well, that's where shit like this Terminator-style muscle comes in because <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, they're going to move into the, the neural field. Are they saying they're going to implant muscle? In people? No, they're saying they're able to create an artificial style muscle. That's but I don't understand. Saying. So Would they, they replace it. your muscles? Right. They're implying like you. Well, would... this is a, this is the very early stages of anything that would apply to a robot or to whatever the fuck they're going to do. Right. But essentially, they're trying to mimic uh, what the the possibilities of muscle tissue. Oh, man. You know, there's another one that they've done where they combine spider silk with human th- human skin to create some artificial bulletproof skin. Spider Man, dude. Yeah. They just these. It's fascinating to watch people break down the very structure of reality. Yeah, the very compounds of of the the various aspects of life, whether it's flesh or bone or cognitive function. Yeah, the brain itself. Art, they've created artificial brain cells. I mean, they are like literally things are materializing, and it's going to be an incredible puzzle that we have to solve as far as our possibilities for altering our environment. But none of it matters. If we're not getting information about government, mm-hmm. about the inner workings of corporations, and because these are the people, these are the institutions that, unless we're not getting more, we're not our access to good information about about what's really going on is destroyed by the internet because the internet has killed journalism. Sort of, but isn't the real problem with all these? whether it's corporations that give money to lobbyists, that give money to politicians and influence, isn't the real problem is that it's not clear and obvious what's going on? And right. People are slowly starting to unveil yeah. all these issues of corruption. Well, as the, the boundaries between people and information becomes smaller and smaller to the point where there's no boundary, everyone's going to be accountable. You're going to be accountable for everything, including corporations. Corporations are going to be accountable for their actions. Who's gonna, gonna, but who's going to do that work? 
Who's going to go to the board meetings and record who voted for what and where the money's going? That's journalism. That's if you and live there's today, no money in journalism. If you live today in this right. world, that is the case. I think the world where we live in, in 20, 30, 40, whatever it is, there's going to be no secrets. It's not going to be like the board has to meet. Everyone's going to know in the, on the whole planet what the corporation's been up to, what the ramifications of this, who's profited from this directly. So you think and the Snowdens and the Bradley Mannings are going to win out over the NSA? 100%. Fuck they can't, yeah, they Glenn can't Greenwald for life. They I can't, love you. They can't oh, lose. Yeah, Glenn Greenwald. I just listened to him on the way over here. I was listening to him. He was talking, he was at a, a Marxism conference or something, and he was talking about how uh, he was on uh, Meet the Press and how David Gregory essentially called for him to be arrested yeah. and put in prison for being a journalist. Unbelievable. You know? And David Gregory himself is completely complicit in, in uh, selectively using the leaks that are given to him, right? Which is what he was accusing Greenwald of having done, you right. know, utilize a leak in writing your story. And he's like, that's what David Gregory does every week. You know, at some dinner party, somebody mentioned something to him that they want to right. be disseminated. Yeah. That's all those guys do. And he described them as actors playing journalists on TV. But, what? I mean, Glenn Greedwald's one of the only ones out there. You know, Jeremy Scahill. Uh, See, I don't think the Internet has destroyed journalism. Jer journalism destroyed itself. The Internet has created real journalism. The Internet has given birth to a totally new style of journalism that's not connected to the machine. That's actually viewer-supported, whether it's shows like The Young Turks or podcasts yeah. or anything. Yeah. What you're getting is a, a viewer-supported experience where there's no incentive to lie to you anymore. Right. The incentive is actually to tell the truth. These shifts are un yeah. un you can't ignore them. There, there, there's this at this new access and this new thirst for information. It's very different than anything any culture has ever experienced before. I don't think you could take it lightly, and I, <clears throat> I think, I think ultimately it spells progress because it spells outrage and outrage over corruption. Once there's a balance, there's a yin and a yang when it comes to government, and once there's a balance and like the the, the cor corruption has been at least forced to relinquish its grasp. Whether prosecuted, whether people go to, have to go to jail for the way they've been running this society is debatable. You know, this is what the law used to be at a certain point in time. Yeah, none of but, these torture guys yeah. are anywhere near a jail. But there's no debate that yeah. it's, it's got to all stop. Whether, whether, whether it comes from that, whether it comes from, there was a, a recent story about how the drug war is uh, a complete and total fucking joke based on the fact that these banks that have been caught laundering money did you read this oh yeah in florida ubc oh. billions of dollars yeah unbelievable yeah. I'll, I'll pull it up because it's such a fucking crazy crazy story but when you when you read it it just it shows you that the idea of a drug war of the fact that they're trying to stop drugs from coming in nonsense no. they're just trying to arrest black people they're trying to fill up jails they're trying to make it so that the people who are in control of the distribution stay in control of the distribution it's 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 yeah. madness yeah yeah i always feel like i'm raining on the parade when i talk to you two guys because you're so hopeful for the future well i think you you're you've just seen more than we have <laughs> <laughs> it's so you, fun you've been to more places see you're, more fuckheads. you're more educated i love being it's so great man because like it's so it, well, you need that you need balance it's good to have balance man you don't mm -hmm. want an echo chamber you need somebody who's going to throw out the you know facts and like because in, in that process maybe you'll you know obviously are we headed towards some utopian reality 
reality or some utopian future, I'd say the odds of that are, are pretty slim, um, especially uh, as long as people ha- are caught up in themselves as an individual instead of recognizing they're part of a whole. Uh, regardless of any kind of innovation, there's, that's, gonna, that's always going to create problems. But I do think there's some beautiful things on the horizon that are, are just going to be wonderful. Well, of and- course there are. I mean, the, the thing is, the, these conversations get complicated because anyone I'm talking to always says, you know, something like, oh, I don't want to have tuberculosis or there are good things on the horizon. That's all true. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm talking about is, is the general trajectory of our species trip through time going in a good direction or a bad direction? Well, let me tell you before anybody, uh, oh, the, the Rolling Stone article is uh, outrageous SBC, HSBC settlement proves that the drug war is a joke. It's by Matt, Matt Taibbi. Taibbi. He's fantastic. The best. Yeah, the best. Since great. Hunter S. Thompson, even better because he's more prolific and he's not fucked up on meth. Matt yeah. Taibbi. Whatever. Matt Taibbi. Oh, you got to read Matt. You haven't read greatest, Matt Taibbi. Greatest journalist of all time. That that octopus thing reminded me of him because yes, he's famous for the, that, oc- the squid quote. Yeah. What I was going to say is that in my world, it's better. So if you're saying is society better, well, only as applied. You know, but in my world, hundred percent. Yeah, but doubt. look, look at us. We're three. Yeah, we're three dudes. You know, with <laughs> we're three beautiful, not, muscular men. We're magical white people. We're magical white people with no job. Mm-hmm. Right? None of us is punching a clock anywhere. A lot of the people who are listening to this are sitting in a cubicle somewhere, and they're working forty, fifty hours a week. They get home, they're fucking exhausted. They don't have time to read Matt Taibbi because they got to like change the diapers and the kid and take the other one to soccer and you know pay the alimony and. It's like, I, I think it's really uh, 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 important that we don't, uh, we don't forget how incredibly fortunate we are and mm-hmm. what an amazing pinnacle we happen to be standing on looking at experience. That said, you figured it out. You figured it out. I figured it out. Here we are. In our world, the world is better today. Well, or we're just really lucky. Or we're living. I don't in a know. Simulation. I don't know what we figured out. Why can't we embrace the simulation theory? The, the the simulation that we have all subscribed to. We jumped into a really good simulation. We don't have jobs, and uh, <laughs> like the world is a goddamn hologram. It's mm. been proven. Duncan. That yeah, that was last week, right? Yeah. The hologram. The thing. universe is a hologram, Duncan. But Tests this, have shown. This was something at the retreat. They said that they were talking about this, <laughs> this thing that you're doing. Retreat broke you. If, I, <laughs> I loved it. Here's something they said I really like, which is because it's this thing that you're doing, the starving African child thing, where it's like there's always the starving African child to think about when you're too happy. And the thing is, like, if you really want to honor and respect the suffering of the world and people who are trapped in various predicaments, the greatest thing you could do is not feel guilty about your own happiness. Exactly. Mm. Ride that shit. I don't yeah. feel, I don't feel guilty about it. Yeah, it but like I a lot also... Of white guilt to me. I mean, you know Choigyum Trungpa, yes. right? Okay, one of the I things... Love that guy. Who the fuck are you talking about? Tibetan. Choigyum Trump is amazing. <laughs> he, was a, he was a Tibetan guru who came to the U.S. early and... Uh, he was an apostate. He was a Tibetan apostate. He was like a, a, a reincarnation who came to the United States, started wearing suits, drinking, <laughs> humping girls. Yeah. And his, and his Buddhism, his breakdown of Buddhism is amazing. He's got two great books that I know of, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. And What's the, 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 war, the, the Warrior thing the path of the shambhala the path, path of the, the warrior and That's another beautiful pima yeah. children is a teacher who was his disciple there's a great documentary on netflix about him that you can watch Wait, what a, year is this guy from he's from this i guess the 60s 70s, 70s, 70s yeah. 80s yeah, yeah. and but he's he died awesome. from liver disease from drinking Holla. he was he was uh Sounds like good. alan watts who also yeah. died from uh liver disease from alan drinking. watts died from liver disease too that's so sad but but he his whole thing was like um 
just be be who you are. Like be who you are. He like was a dude who really loved booze. He did, and he would. And like, there's <laughs> like, there's a story. And bitches. And he yeah. like, and he liked playing with people's conception of how he should be. And like in this documentary, there's a story where he's on stage with some like very like you know uh, tight square spiritual teacher, and he's on stage with the spiritual teacher, and he's wasted he's acting drunk and he's wasted and like uh after the talk he's in the hallway walking with some of his disciples totally not drunk anymore he's like how did i do what do you think <laughs> he was acting drunk he was doing this do that? because he was fucking around with like he was trying to create a contrast between this guy who apparently like considered himself to be a very like buttoned up very spiritual spiritual man and him who's just like look i can do whatever i want i can be Whoever I want to be, I don't have to act like I'm holy or sacred. You know, I don't have to act like a spiritual person. I can be a drunk guy who humps hippies and still be a spiritual teacher and still have something to offer the world. That's a beautiful thing, man. It is a beautiful thing, except that he's pretending to be drunk. I never side with the people that are pretending to be drunk. I always suspect foul play. Right. If you're pretending to be drunk, why would you pretend to be drunk? Or pretend to be anything else. Yeah, right? why, We're getting I back don't know. To the, the Watch the documentary. I don't know. Have you ever seen comics that get like a shot of water and pretend it's tequila on stage? No. It's dark. It's dark. They fake drunk. They fake pretending to be drunk. Well, his thing wasn't, I don't think, anyway, I can't defend it because. It's he, hack as fuck. I can't Maybe it wasn't it. when he did it. Maybe he was one of the first. He wasn't at the fucking improv. <laughs> well, Dean Martin did it. <laughs> But I mean, seriously, what is he doing? He's faking it. He was do, but it, he was. Uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm not a disciple of Chogim Trumpa, so I don't know why I'm getting defensive. It's Alan Watts, anyway. What? No, no, Chogim Trumpa. Oh, he's the one who did that. Yeah, pretending yeah. to be drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I got confused. Yeah. Well, either one. I, why I would think, the guy do that? That's I think silly. he was demonstrating the, the power of not giving a shit, which yes. which is one of my pet theories recently. I think it's the only power we get that. That actually becomes stronger as we age. But how do you can say a guy's not giving a shit if he's pretending to be drunk? He obviously gives a shit. I think I, I, I'm going to say he had Put a, it on a show. I'm no, he doesn't say, give a shit about his reputation as a spiritual guru. So he he's making a fool of himself intentionally to demonstrate the fact that he's no big deal. And a lot of these gurus, that's what they do, man. That's part of what they do is they get around people and they do some incredibly untraditional, weird thing that doesn't seem to make much sense or it really like affects the people who watch them. And it usually is a way to like point out your your own like ego and your where you're stuck that's the mm. idea and you you have to it's a leap of faith like was chogim trumpa doing that on purpose maybe he was really drunk maybe he just wasn't having a good night or maybe he was doing it because he had a weird sense of humor who knows mm -hmm. but all you can say is this guy put out some amazing fucking books that really break down tibetan buddhism and also like some of his disciples like pima children they're amazing teachers and they asked her about him you know, what did she think about him being a boozer or drinking? And she's just like, wow, what can I say? He was a great teacher and he like taught me the Dharma. He taught me Buddhism. So like, how can I judge? I don't know. That's just what he was like. It's really cool, man. There's a, there's a, in, especially in Tibetan Buddhism, one of the um, progenitors of it was a uh, Tilopa was right. his name. And this was a, you know, they would go out and try to gather information about Buddhism. And so this guy, I think his name was Marpa. Is that right? Marpa? Milarepa. Milarepa. Not. I don't know. It's there's, very rapey. He, I don't know if he had... R-E-P-A. Yeah, Milarepa, Rapa. He was like wandering to try to gather information about Buddhism. And uh, he, you know, he kept asking, who can teach me this? Who can give me... Who can really teach me about this? And so they told him, well, there's this guy, Tilopa, in this fishing village. You can go there and talk to him. He's, a, he's an awakened being. And so he gets there and he like... 
ask people, do you know of this Saint Tilopa, this enlightened being? And they're like, we know the the filthy homeless guy, <laughs> Tilopa, who lives down by the river and eats fish scraps. Is that who you want to find? And he and he goes to this guy, and the guy proceeds to torture him for years, years and years. And like finally at the end of this whole process, and there's all these stories about the various means that this guy used to teach him, the final transmission, he slapped him in the face with his sandal. And that was like the big download that he got. And so the whole point of it all, this mythology or half mythology or whatever it is, is that if you let your ego decide what a teacher is going to look like, then you are not going to see a real teacher when they cross your path because you've already decided they wear robes or they don't wear robes or they're in shape or they're not in shape or they're this or they're that. The moment you do that, you've cut out so much in, in the world. And that's what's really cool about uh, Buddhism and all these stories is that quite often the teacher was never who you expected it to be. It was always a person who went way, way against what you thought somebody who was awakened might be like. And there's something really beautiful about that because if you knew what awakened beings look like then you would be awakened yourself wouldn't you and you wouldn't really need anything because you already have it all figured out so awakened beings slap you in the face with a sandal awakened beings awakened beings apparently do um whatever it takes to to wake up the other beings around them and i mean that's the essence of a cohen right all these cohen like what's the hand of one hand slapping (laughs) what's the hand of one sandal slapping it's yeah I, you remind me of this German guy I met in India uh, years ago. I, I just met him in a cafe, just some guy who'd been living in India for a long time, and we were getting drunk. And he told me this story when he was young and first arrived in India. He found this teacher who didn't speak any German or English, right? But he just saw this guy in Varanasi, and he was like, that's the guy. That's the guy who's going to teach me. And he started following this guy. And the guy, for weeks, and the guy was just like, who are you? Get away from me. Why are you following me? And he just followed this guy all through India. And then finally, like, he was washing his robes, and he fucked up the robe somehow in the wash. And so then this guru had, like, weird robes that weren't the right color. And then then eventually he let this German guy wear a robe and and the German guy sort of ingratiated just like a stray dog who won't leave you alone and he never understood what the guy was saying he just felt there was something in his eyes that would be transmitted to him if he stuck with him and eventually because the white guy was following him all around this guru became really well known in India right and he started bringing the white guy up next to him on the stage when he was doing his teachings and stuff because everybody knew him as the guru that the white dude followed all around. And eventually, as the German's language skills got better in Hindi or whatever language the the guy was speaking, the German realized that this guy was completely full of shit. And he was just like using him to... So it was, was what you were saying reminded me of this whole idea of like what a teacher looks like. And it's... uh, yeah. The idea is it's like the teacher the idea is you already are inside, you're already awake. You have this you you're you're caught up in your ego, you're attached to your ego, you're already awake. And so different people they need excuses to wake up. They need they need an excuse. They need some kind of thing. Some people need to wear robes or some people need some kind of intense meditation practice. In some stories in Buddhism, somebody sees like a drop of uh, uh, water hit a puddle and suddenly they, you know, they gain the transmission and wake up. But uh, and I think Chogyam Trumpy even said this whole process of initiation is kind of ridiculous. It's really more of a thing for you. It's more of a thing because you need the excuse to be a better person. This is actually 
actually, not to get too far off track here, but this is in uh, The Brothers Karamazov. Dostoevsky talks about Paul, who is the, basically the, uh, the, the father of Christianity, who never even met Jesus, but he was like walking down, he used to persecute Christians, and his name was Saul, and he was walking on the road to Damascus, and Jesus appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And at that moment, he, like, he, he, changed, he realizes that Jesus is love, and he becomes like a disciple of Christ, and he changes. And so Dostoevsky, in this awesome essay in The Brothers Karamazov, says, okay, what happened there? Is Jesus like a magical medicine being that like touched him and there was some magical thing that went through him where suddenly he got better? If that's the case, then Jesus is nothing and humans are just empty robotic things and there's no freedom. All you have to do is come in contact with the right person and you're going to get better again. And freedom's gone in that equation. Or did Saul need an excuse to stop being an asshole? And the excuse he used was this hallucination of some magical being that came to him. And he let that be the excuse. That let him mm. truly become a, 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 an awakened being. And this is why in so many different religions and so many different philosophies, there's the process of initiation, which is like these series of things that you go through. to And become, martial arts. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because your, your thoughts are all, the, all this, these things you're saying are all very beautiful. But they're 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 so clearly a work of fiction. They're so clearly prose. They're so clearly a story. Like all the even they're like flavored. It's like there's truth in them, but it's truth delivered in the filter of a story. You know about someone getting slapped in the face of the sandal and becoming yeah. enlightened, or someone seeing water hit. It's 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 Do you a, see a, a work of fiction. There? Does that no. make it untrue? No, 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 definitely not. Especially when you consider the age of these things, right? The age of these initial thoughts. I mean, how how old are the original stories? They're go goddamn ancient. Who knows? But it, Who I mean, knows? isn't that the essence of fiction to convey mm -hmm. a, a truth yes. through? Yeah. False... Well, that's why I find it fascinating because of the fact that when these things were originally conveyed and put down onto some form of you know written language or what have. The, the 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 actual stories still resonate through the obvious fiction. Oh, the actual yeah. truths of what you're saying still resonate through the obvious fiction of the work. Like you, you tell me that a guy slapped a guy with a sandal and he achieved enlightenment. I'm like, oh, sure he did. Well, no, this you know, but I mean, but the, the, the what you're saying behind it, yeah, that you know what you're doing is exposing someone to these various new paths of thinking. That sometimes a simple thing like water splashing into a pond but opens up the doors of perception in a strange way that allows this sort of exponentially increasing understanding of your your reality and then it is just one event that that causes this it is really a slap in the face of the sandal yeah but it's so obviously fiction well and it's what we were talking about before we went on air placebo yes right the fact that a placebo isn't an actual drug doesn't mean it's less real if its effects are tangible. Well, yeah, but it's That's not such a weird fucking thing. I don't think it's just placebo. I think you're talking about a container to hold a certain type of energy. Mm -hmm. That's it's what a, a placebo is. A placebo triggers elbow, yeah. your self-healing potential oh, that oh, was always oh, yeah, there. Okay, yeah, I see right? what you're saying. Well, sense, and so does religion, right? Religion yes. gives you a structure within which to be the decent person you already were. Yeah, the, one of the most ultimately fascinating things about human beings is the placebo effect. The idea that there's a, a tangible, quantifiable result that comes from a certain type of thinking, but whether it's positive or negative, yes. voodoo death, or you know, or stress, just stress. Like they've shown yeah. that people that live in like big cities or people that have high stress jobs, just m much more likely to have a host of different things go wrong with their body. 
because they're just fucking redlining it all the time. Yep. Stress yeah. is devastating to your immune system. I spoke at a scientific conference once, uh, psychoneuroimmunology. Do you know about that? No. It, it's essentially the, the measure of how our mental state or our psychological state affects our immune response. And one of the guys who was uh, on stage with me is Robert Ader, who just died recently. He's the first person to ever demonstrate in a laboratory that uh, you, if you stress out mice, their immune system drops. It was very interesting the way he did it. He, he gave them, um, uh, what's that artificial sweetener, uh, not aspartame, before? Xylitol? No, before the first one. Um, saccharin? Saccharin, yeah. So he put saccharin in the water and let them drink the saccharin. And as soon as they drank the saccharin, he shocked them. And so he paired saccharin with an electrical shock, right? And then, and every time they were shocked, their immune response dropped because they were super stressed and, you know, the release of toxic chemicals and all that. And then later, so he trained them to associate those two things. And then later he only gave them saccharin and noted that they had the same response. Uh, So the immune response had been trained. To, wow! To yeah. Oh, that is fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so hard though to keep your head about you. It's so hard to stay calm to just to, to be cool and chill about things. And then, sorry to interrupt you, but just to, the really weird thing about this is the next generation and the third generation had the same response. Whoa! Without having without any ever exposure having, to saccharin. Exactly. Wow! wow. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It's like the same thing with the reason why we have this fear of snakes. There's a genetic memory that gets passed down. Right, but see, gene- see, this is where it's really interesting. This is considered epigenetics right. because it's not actually in the DNA, but it's somehow the DNA gets trained by the experience, and that's passed along. But it's, if it, is, it must be in the DNA. It gets in the DNA, yeah. yeah. Or, or it's, it's in – see, that's the thing about DNA. We've got all these genes, but it's not if you just have the gene for this or that. It's if that gene is um, triggered. So there are triggering mechanisms that are are more easily shifted than the genetic content itself. So it's it's you know it's like there's a gun, but that doesn't mean anyone gets shot unless somebody pulls the trigger. So the genes are all potentially there, but some get triggered, some don't. And so what seems to happen in this new field of epigenetics is they're they're noticing that the experience of an organism somehow affects the expression of genes in subsequent generations. This is Sheldrake's morphogenetic field addresses this because I don't know that he believes that it's a genetic transmission, but he believes that when a thing starts a new behavior or learns a new thing, it creates this like uh, shift in the morphic field, some kind of um, um, uh, some kind of field that exists outside of like. Uh, life and that the a being like when genetically like resonates with that field and so when there's some behavior pattern it gets sort of imprinted or it creates like a I can't remember the term he uses like a runnel they have some psychedelic language for it but a path in this morphic field that that then every other thing like it begins to to mm. resonate with the shift that it's in some invisible... It's like, un- a, it's like a raindrop going down the window. You ever see how they form a path and then the other ones that's go it. into the same yeah, path? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly a perfect mm. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you brought up earlier that I was skeptical of Sheldrake. I, I'm not skeptical of Sheldrake. I'm just not, oh. con- I'm not convinced that he's, he's right either. I'm, I'm just open to I, it. I, but, I, I'm skeptical of it because I want it to be true. And usually mm. stuff that I want to be true, it's like... Well, I don't I think he's ever proven anything to be true. Like, I think his, his studies on, on dogs knowing yeah. when their masters are coming home... How, how sketchy are those? I, I, I don't think they've been replicated anywhere. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Stanley, who you you mm-hmm. met and maybe Duncan's going to yeah. meet, is an old friend of Sheldrake's, and he's where you are. He's like, mm, I don't know, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, but he hasn't proven anything. Yeah, to me. until he proves it, you have to you have to say, hey, you can't keep writing that. You know, you can't keep saying that. It's a it's a fascinating theory, but to say that you've actually proven it in studies, not so much. You know, because yeah. it, that that would be something like, look, they have proven weird shit, man. They've proven that you can teach a rat how to get through a maze in one part of the world, and then a rat in another part of the that's world it. will get through that maze quicker. That has been proven. Mm. That's, that's his, weird. That's it. That's, it is. That's Rupert Sheldrake. It is. You know, you know the hundredth monkey thing? thing. Yes. You know that yes. whole. That's bullshit. That that really? never happened. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah, one well, of my explain it for people who don't know what it the hundredth monkey was. Uh, what there were two islands. There were a bunch of monkeys on the two islands. They had no contact with each other because they couldn't swim across the monkeys. Don't swim, by the way. But they, even if they did, they couldn't have swum across the gulf between the two islands. And tourists started going to one island, uh, and there were both islands. And they threw potatoes. This is in Japan, I believe. And they threw potatoes. And the monkeys on one island learned to use the seawater to wipe off the, the dirt off the potatoes. And then that tra- that sort of got transmitted through all the different monkeys on the island. And when the hundredth monkey learned that trick, suddenly the monkeys on the other island started it doing jumped. it. It's horseshit. It jumped. It's not true. Yeah. yeah, it says it online that it's bullshit. Actually, in Wikipedia, it's also... Um, uh, they, what they what they basically broke down was that the claim was that it was an observation of these Japanese scientists. One of the primary factors in uh, spreading this claim was that many of the authors quote secondary, tertiary, or post tertiary sources who have themselves misrepresented the original observations. Right. So it's one of those things where it just becomes this ad. Like how many times have you ever heard people say that uh, there's killer sperm that attack other people's sperm? Baker and Bellis S- sperm research. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not really. No. There's no proof whatsoever that sperm does anything other than sperm stuff. I never heard that. Sperms aren't murderers. I never heard sperm attack other people's sperm. Yeah, there was never been proven to be true. Yeah, sperm wars. But I saw someone on like a science show the other day quoting that that very thing, and people were fascinated. Like, wow, amazing. Yeah. Well, there, but there is there is some differentiation in semen. The first spurt of an ejaculate is different from the the middle spurt and the last spurt. (laughs) Tastes better. It's true. That's where the tang comes through. It's the fructose. Uh, That's where the pineapple. Rub it in, you fuck. (laughs) But, you know, you were talking earlier about... But they don't kill other sperm, right? uh, Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's not that there are sperm that are killing other sperm. Uh That's not the killer sperm thing and the kamikaze sperm and all that. Uh, Baker and Bellis went way too far. In fact, they split at that point and one of them stopped working with the other. Because the one kept saying, you know, that it was attack sperm and all this. But it's true that the first uh, part of the ejaculate has chemicals that kill pre-existing sperm. And the last spurt of the ejaculate has chemicals that protect your sperm from the next guy's wow. first spurt. So it's like a train, like the, the first car on the train attacks what's already there, the last car protects what you're putting there. Okay, so he just basically extrapolated way too far way from too something specific. that's actually interesting. Right, exactly. The other thing that's interesting is the actual head of the penis designed to suction out other dudes' jizz. The plunger and pull penis. It back. Yeah. It's got that the helmet, the whole idea of the helmet is that right. it's a push rod. It pulls back all the other guys' jizz and squirts in your own. 
Get in there, boys. <laughs> Give them hell. <laughs> Send in your own troops. It's true. It's true. I mean, we're obviously designed for multiple mating. I mean, that's, you know. Well, our testicles swell when there's women around that are having sex with more than one and man. And the fact that they're outside our bodies, What's right? What's that about? That's about keeping them cooler than body temperature so eh. that they can be. It's about rubbing them, sucking them. It's about a lot of other things. <laughs> it's not, they, they would be useless if they're inside your body. It's a yin and a yang. You take the possibility of getting kicked in the balls and you bounce it against someone sucking on your balls while they jerk you off. <laughs> Gorillas have their testicles inside their body. They also have little one-inch dicks. They have little one-inch dicks. That's right. Fucking silly Which bitches. Ted would not let me show. I, when I did my TED talk, they, they, they pulled that. I've got, like, in my the talk I've given all over the place, there's the, the sort of laugh moment, the, the pivot of the whole talk is this slide where I've been showing charts of testicle size and penis design and all this stuff. And then I get to this chart, and it's got, and the, let's see, in the upper left-hand corner, it's got a gorilla lying on his back. There's no balls. And in the upper right-hand corner, it's got a bonobo whose balls are like bigger than chicken eggs. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, it's got a friend of mine in a hammock wearing a Speedo. (laughs) And it says, Gorilla Bonobo Italian. (laughs) (laughs) And my friend's completely cool with me using the slide. And he saw – I did it in Australia and he saw it online and wrote to me. It was really funny. But anyway, when I did TED, the last rehearsal, the day before I go on – they said, uh, you know, that one slide, it's a little creepy. And they've already seen it. I've already done it in three rehearsals. They saw it before they even invited me. And they're like, well, yeah, it goes. It's a... And one, one of the people said, I'm afraid Italians will be offended. <laughs> oh I'm God. saying Italians have big balls. That is not an insult. You don't know Italians. You think they're going to be offended. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, have you ever been to New York? Yeah. I mean, it's weird to think gorillas are probably... Ride noisy motorcycles. <laughs> Do you think so? Would they have like a little skull cap on? Yeah. And ape handlebars? Yeah. Yeah. The ones they hold up like this? <laughs> Sorry. No, what's the connection? I didn't get that. Because they have tiny dicks. Oh, so that they have like crazy loud motorcycles. To, to compensate? compensate. <laughs> yeah. Or they're expensive red sports cars. Uh. Yeah. Or they work out a lot. One or the other. Well, they definitely work out a lot. Look at the size of gorillas. They're, yeah. They're like the they're most pumped. working out animals ever. They're the biggest muscled ones, and they also have the littlest dicks. There you go. Coincidence? There you go. I don't think so. <laughs> well, Ted, you know, I, I love the TED Talks. I think they're endlessly educational and fascinating and interesting. But it's because of the, the vast amount of interesting people that they've collected. As an organization... I've heard a lot of weird shit about them. Yeah. Your thing is one. Eddie Huang. Eddie thing Huang. Is... Eddie Huang was there with uh, at the same thing with me. He yeah. Graham Hancock. Horror, Graham Hancock. Horror stories. So they're not infallible, and they're also probably growing at a fucking staggering. Sarah rate. Sarah Silverman. Sarah thing. Silverman. Yeah. Another thing. Another In one. fact, when I did that, and they made me take the slide, I went back room to uh, backstage to the technical guys, right? And one of the guys looked at me. He said, "You're getting Silverman." Ah, because of the <laughs> dick, you got Silverman. That's hilarious. We got to end this thing. All it's right, fucking pretty goddamn awesome podcast. Hey, Merry Christmas! Merry, Merry Christmas! Christmas. Merry Christmas. Santa's on the way. Pagan holiday in the house. Holla! Holla! Uh, you can see Chris on Twitter. It's Chris Ryan PhD, and Duncan Trussell is of course Duncan Trussell. Two S's, two L's. That's T R U S S E L L. And uh, download their podcast. You fuck. 
The Duncan Trussell Family Hour is available free and clear on iTunes and all other sources. And Chris Ryan, your podcast name and where they can get it. Tangentially speaking, same place. Nobody can spell that shit. We can change it to the Chris Ryan Show. <laughs> I know. I, Fucking I, with tangentials. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you going to weed out dummies? You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to teach them. Uh, tangentially speaking, iTunes. It, it, it's everywhere. on iTunes, or you can get it on chrisryanphd.com. And, and buy the book as well. Fantastic book, Sex at Dawn. It'll change your life, you dirty fucks. All right, we will be back next week with uh, the great Roseanne Barr. And uh, a bunch of stand-up comedians and a bunch of other cool motherfuckers. We've got a lot of good shit coming up. If we don't see you, uh, happy holidays. Enjoy your time with your family. Enjoy your time with your friends. Be joyful. Be loving. And uh, we'll see you in a few days. Big kiss. Mwah!